Action. That's the beauty of this podcast. Yeah, I'm also gonna I'm also gonna talk about how I don't get you, Glenn, but we'll wait until <laughs> wait until okay. we talk okay. talking about well, some stuff. Uh, yeah, hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined by Obi and Chris. How are you both? Good thank you. I'm all good, thank you. It's gonna be a jam packed episode today. Um so we're starting earlier in the day than usual. Not that anyone listening to this will know that. Um but yeah, so we've got quite a lot of new releases, new cinema releases to get through. Um, but a bit of film news, uh, obviously related to Marvel. Um, they've pushed back their Phase 4 slate um, after No Way Home. So every film from Doctor Strange onwards has been pushed back by one plot, if that makes sense, apart from Guardians 3. Um they haven't really given any reason for this. Mm. Um, I presume it's because some of the films are not quite finished. Obviously, the pandemic is still, you know, present, and that's obviously affecting things. Maybe people have had COVID well, cases. They also said they, they've got rid of two untitled Marvel films as well, taking them off the slate. Yeah. So I guess we were maybe assuming one of them would have been Fantastic Four and the other Blade, but... I don't know if that means those are cancelled or if they're just sort of, you know, not looking no, that they're, far. Because they're, they're not they're not untitled anymore. Them too. When it's untitled, I don't think they've just they haven't even announced what it is. Okay, but I guess you know, I guess I don't know if they if Blade is like the official title. It could be Blade, you know, origin of blah blah, or it could be Fantastic Four, you know, Rise of the Silver, you know. There could be like subtitles, but yeah. So I mean, what do you guys make of of that? You go first, Dobes. Uh, I don't have much to say on it. To be fair, I think obviously it's a shame because um, you know the longer we have, it's the longer we have to wait for for MCU films. Um, I don't know what like like say like the reason behind it. I'm not sure. Um, obviously, we know like before when films were moved back, it was almost likely due to like COVID and stuff like that. Um, but obviously, we I haven't seen anything in terms of like restrictions going up or anything like that. So I don't think that is the case this time. But it probably is, like you said, then probably just a bit, bit behind, behind on like development and production. Um, so yeah, I think I suppose this means that we go how many months now without uh, a Marvel film after um, December? Because it's supposed to Doctor Strange supposed to be March, right? Yeah. So it's going to be about five months. Yeah. Yeah, but, I don't know, yeah, I'm not too far. We went a whole year basically without a film, so, you know. Yeah, but isn't, um, isn't, uh, when's Morbius out? Because I saw a trailer for that, so that that's January, that's January, I think. Well, that, that'll make it four months, won't it? Yeah, well, I don't really count that as a, well, I yeah. suppose technically now, well, we'll, well get, yeah, so we speak exactly, about it. Yeah, but, so yeah. that was, yeah, that was actually, Chris, you pre anticipated, anticipated one of my questions. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, potentially, maybe it's, it is allowing for like a Morbius, um, you know, because obviously they couldn't, they can't say beforehand, oh, well, you know, we're going to release it in May because some of the Sony stuff might fit into it. But I don't know if, if maybe that's like a tactical thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just thought we'd mention that. Um, the Uncharted trailer came out today as well. Did I've literally just seen that, but I haven't actually watched the trailer yet. I haven't watched that. Okay. What's, what's, the, what's the trailer saying? Uh, it's basically a male to- Tomb Raider. Okay. Chris, right. you played the game in it, so what, do, what are you that looking is, forward to? That, 
be the, that is literally the concept for Uncharted. Yeah, um, really good game series. Whether mm. they can translate that into a film. Also, I feel like Tom Holland isn't the right visual. No, he looks kind of young. Yeah, unless they're playing a young version. Because in I think the third game they do like a prequel slash current day vibe where he does something, he flashes back, then he does something again. But yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have envisioned him. But I hope he proves me wrong. But mm. I, whether I'm that bothered about the thing altogether, really. But what what makes the game so good? What did you like about the video games? Originally, it was just like the sheer like effort they put in, like the graphics, the amount of like. I think the graphics were amazing. The storyline was pretty interesting. There was like hundred or two hundred or something ridiculous amount of totems you got to find throughout the game. Um, and it was just yeah, it was just really good. I just really enjoyed it. I'm not, I don't know if everyone enjoys enjoyed them as much as I did, but like I thought they were pretty good films. I think it's quite it's a pretty popular game, so I don't think you're alone there. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the trailer didn't um, you know make me really want to watch it particularly um it is literally if you just substituted uh alicia vikander for tom holland in the tomb raider film then it's kind of that you know there are slightly... what's that sorry chris i said hopefully it's a slightly better storyline well i mean from what i gather from the trailer there's some treasure that has not been found tom holland assuming it's nathaniel drake or nathan drake whatever his name is um, he's got the map. Mark Wahlberg is some sort of like seasoned adventurer, and they decide to team up. And then Antonio Banderas is a villain, uh, basically similar to what he was in the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and he's also after it. So yeah, there's plane chases and all sorts. Of, you know, I mean, it it looks very generic to be honest with you, mm. but hey ho. I'm gonna see it, aren't I? If it's yeah. if it's <laughs> if I've still got my Odeon part. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those ones, isn't it? Like you know, it's not probably probably won't be great, but because in I'm thinking like in fairness, what video game based films have been great? And I can't think of one. Detective Pikachu. Really, is that the only oh, one? Fuck off! That film was bollocks. We'll agree to disagree. Right. So, has anyone got any more film or TV news or anything they wanted? Um, I was going to ask if you guys wanted yeah, to talk about the um, like the DC like little teaser and trailers we got last week. Oh yeah, of course. So there was the Batman um, trailer, uh, which gives us a, a look at Paul Dano's Riddler and Colin Farrell. Apparently, it was Penguin. Yeah, that makeup is crazy. <laughs> yeah, why didn't they just? Hire someone who's a in bit it. of a larger actor, you know. Yeah, in it. <laughs> he's, <laughs> un- he's unrecognizable. The same with I don't know if you saw the trailer for um, House of Gucci before. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. What, Jared Leto. Um, yeah, my goodness. What? But anyway, sorry. Back to <laughs> the Batman. So yeah, we see a bit, you know, combat. Uh, see a bit of the villains. Um, it looked kind of like a bit grittier to me. Um. Like, maybe Batman might actually, you know, might kill people again in this film. I don't really know. Um, but it looked like quite a dark tone, which I was here for. What did you yeah. two think of it? Who was that, Chris? Um, yeah. I, I, I have no real particular thought on it, to be honest. It's, uh, 
just a rehash of the other films, but a bit darker, isn't it? Uh, I feel a bit Ben Affleck's a bit hard done by here, not being in another film, but I feel like Rob Patson. Everyone was like, "Oh no, not Rob Patson!" But he actually looks like he fits the role quite well. So, mm. is Ben Affleck not going to be in the Flash? There was rumours, to be fair, that he is going to be in it, but I don't think anything's actually confirmed. I assume okay. I assume he will be in it, but if they're doing the um, Flashpoint. And it's anything in relation to the comics slash um, animation adaptation should see not Ben Affleck, but um, who plays um, Thomas Wayne? Oh, it's yeah, the, who plays Jeff, Thomas Jeffrey, Wayne? Jeffrey Morgan, I think, is now. Yeah, so you assume that that back that back piece of Batman was Jeffrey Morgan's Batman, not? Um, I think it, no, I think it's, I think that was Michael Keaton, Batman. Because it was his voiceover. Oh, really? Anyway, anyway, we can like quickly. I'll, let's keep talking about Batman, then we can move on to the Flash one. But um, I was just going to say that I think with Chris, like I think, and with you, Glenn, I think I agree. It just just looked like a grittier version of Batman than we might have gotten in like recent, um, like a more, more a bit of a more grounded film. I would say than we've got compared to like Batman vs Superman and um, uh, and Justice League as well. Um, I think I'm quite interested to see. Because obviously, you get Batman Begins, which was I thought like was fairly grounded. Maybe before you get into the end, um, but that was like kind of like showing like the start of Batman kind of thing, like him actually putting on the suit, blah blah blah. I think this one obviously is slightly different, where I think Batman's already. I think this is based on like a, the Year One comic book, so he's already a year into being Batman. So he's okay. he's not really he's not. I think the vibe is that like he's not. Uh, like fully, like his like matured Batman. Yeah, he's kind of just still getting used to everything. And like there was um, before they showed the trailer at DC Fandom, there was like a little interview section with um, Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves, and um, Zoe Kravitz. And basically, I think Robert Pattinson was saying like this version of Batman is kind of like um, a bit like immature, like misguided, like he's not able to control his rage yet. Which I'm quite interested to see if that leads to him maybe killing people or like you said earlier again I'm not sure if that's because a lot of people really didn't like that in about the Batman Ben Affleck's Batman that he kind of got to the point where he was fed up and he was just like killing people which to be honest I didn't mind I think Batman should start killing some people because you know um yeah but in general um I think the trailer was really good to be fair I really liked um like the 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 song that they use the same song I think as the first trailer I really like that song and I like this how it leads to like the this theme for Batman which is quite like a I don't know it feels quite quite sinister um and then like, I think the thing that uh pointed out to me the most was like the shot at the end of the trailer when he comes through the fire in his Batmobile and then he's flipped over um is it Penguin yeah he flipped, he flipped over Penguin's car and it's like an upside down shot of him and he looks he looks like a bad guy as he's like walking towards the thing with all like, the fire around him and then it just kind of like fades into the the Batman um title title card which I think was really good. So I'm hoping that it's got quite a a dark vibe. Um, and I think that's what it it looks more like. It's going to be like, maybe he's kind of like a detective sort of vibe. Because I feel like people call Batman like the world's greatest detective and stuff like that. But I feel like we've never really seen him do that in any of the films that I've seen so far. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to maybe that aspect, maybe him working more closely with uh, the police, Gotham Police Department and stuff like that. Fair enough. 
Um, I agree with that. I think Paul Dano is also decent casting. I think he's mm. like one of these actors that pops up quite a lot, and you're always like, oh, he's actually always really good in whatever he's in. Mm. Um, I think he's like relatively under underrated. Um, but so Flash was, the, I guess, the second longest teaser that we yeah. got, um, which wasn't that long, but um, you sort of see Barry. Um, does he like? He's like constructing a new suit or something, and then. Um, yeah. And then you see the shot of Michael Keaton's Batman at the end. with And Barry, uh, Barry's got two other people either side of him, one of whom looks a lot like him. So I, was... well, I think it is, yeah. I'm, I'm, it has, I'm sure it's another version of him. And then the oh, other right. one is... It is another from what I read. Yeah, and then the other one is Supergirl. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, um, so, wait, so we, we 100% know it's Michael Keaton's Batman? Well, it was his voice doing the voiceover. And also... Uh, yeah. He's confirmed also, um, for the film. Yeah, and also um, I think at the end as well, you see like I think Barry, he's looking at like some uh, like a car that's underneath like a drape. I'm pretty sure that's Batman's his Batmobile from Batman '89 as well. Oh, shame! It should have been Jeffrey Morgan. I think that would have been. Um... I reckon there'll be multiples, probably. Yeah, I think so as well. Because um, well, we, I think we do see a bit of like uh, Flashpoint paradoxy because he's like kind of like walking. I'm only taking this from what I've seen from the CW Flash show because I don't know, and I've seen the the film as well but I can't really remember what happens in it um, but he's like walking on the road and like goes into the house His mu- and presumably touches his mum I think that's his mum on the shoulder so I think maybe and then you get Michael Keane's thing saying like um, you can go- you can change the past you can change the future so I presume he's going back to that night where his mum died and then they're gonna shit's gonna kick off from there kind of thing yeah, I assume yeah that's, that's basically the premise Flashpoint's premise is he stops his mum dying his mum's alive and then he never becomes the Flash Mm. then he goes to find Batman because shit's, ha- shit's going down oh whether they do it or not isn't it the premise of Flashpoint is that because Flash never did what he did Superman never got saved by the Kents and he's then being tortured and experimented on at- mm. um, at, um, uh, Atlantis want to attack the free world and so do uh, so do the Neuroscarians or Amazon Amazon sorry yeah and then there's a war with them, isn't there? And Shazam, yeah. which actually ties in quite nicely with the current Shazam film, isn't just one kid. It's seven kids that turn into one big Shazam, isn't it? Yeah, so, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Well, they all have to say Shazam. One of them, I think Billy still says Shazam, and then they all mould into one big Shazam. Well, mm. the same size as our Shazam, but they just all go into him. But yeah. Yeah. And then, in that world, Batman is his dad rather than, yeah. Yeah, because the guy kills Bruce Wayne instead of killing Martha, and, and, and Martha why, turns to the Joker. That's why I think in the trailer, if I'm not mistaken, you kind of see Barry in a kind of. I feel like I saw Barry in like kind of a yellow suit, or he was creating a suit and it looked yellow, because in the yeah. black one, his suit is yellow, out of the mm. ring, rather than red. Which indicates reverse flash as well, but yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm looking I forward mean, to Didn't give much away to me, didn't build much hype for me, but it seems like you two are on board. Um, again, I'm going to watch it, aren't I? So. <laughs> it could be the one that I'm most excited about, actually. Uh, bar Shazam 2, because I actually really like Shazam 1, but I feel like they're going to, f- I feel like they're not going to be able to keep up momentum with Shazam. I well, feel like with Shazam 2, like, um, 
I'm quite looking forward because they're saying like all these new places that they're going to be exploring, like the library of this and the world of this, and I'm quite looking forward to like them getting into new, new bits and bobs. And they've got a pretty decent cast, I think, because I think I want to say Helen Mirren. Is it Helen Mirren? It's one of them old white ladies, Helen Mirren. I think I said this before. Helen Mirren, Julie Dench, and Mel Street. I, I get them all confused. It's one of them who's in it. I think Lucy Liu's in it as well. So yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to that one. Well, maybe they'll have Black Adam in it. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly, sure. Possibly. Three Shazam. Be a post-credit scene. Mm. So is Black Adam coming up before Shazam too, though? Yeah, Black Adam's July, I believe. And I oh, think is Shazam it? Is, yeah, I think Shazam's late, a bit later in the year. Oh, maybe he will be. In, in... So yeah. we've got a, a tiny snippet of of Black Adam. So it was people. Is it in Egypt? And then they find this tomb and. Uh, then they managed to summon Black Adam and he comes down with his lightning suit and turns a couple of people into stone and dust. Yeah, I thought that, I thought that was really cool, to be fair. And I feel like this is one of them films where, like, because it's The Rock, you feel like it will have a certain, like, aura about it, but it could be one of the films where, like, I really enjoyed The Rock, but the film's kind of shit. <laughs> I feel like it would yeah. be, like, or one it's of like... the it's like The Rock playing like someone, but it's like, hey, I'm The Rock, I can't yeah. be evil, so I'm actually a good guy. Yeah, and well, this thing because the, the the trailer um, is quite a sinister vibe. Obviously, he fucking turns that guy to dust and um, all that stuff. And like, I think Black Ad- Black Adam is traditionally like an antihero, so you would think that I would hope that he le- that it leans into into that anti-hero vibe rather than him turning what, actually out to be like a really good guy da, 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 da. What, what, what do you just what what is your what is your um depiction of an anti-hero of curiosity um so I'm basically basically somebody who doesn't mind killing people and doesn't play like doesn't play by anybody else's kind of like moral conduct kind of thing so like i would describe someone as like frank castle for example who thinks like who has his own idea of justice and thinks yeah Certain people need to die in order for that to happen, and even to to an extent, Batman in Batman vs Superman, who's kind of like embraces the side of him being a criminal. He's like, yeah, sometimes the bad guy's got to die. Like, I think that's probably my that's probably yeah. like the, the 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 what's it called the the line between an antihero and the, and a hero. I feel like heroes traditionally don't really kill people. And the villain. And the villain, yeah. I think there should also just be vi- films about villains, which is mm. really what disappointed me and continues to disappoint me about Venom, is that. They basically turned him into like, a, like you said, like a even like a soft antihero. Like, oh, yeah. he only eats bad guys and yeah. chickens. Like, fuck off. But yeah. Mm. Was there anything else from the DC fandom thing? Peacemaker uh, uh, trailer. Peacemaker. Oh, p- p- yeah. Uh, the, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, probably. But the vibe, I'd, mm, mm, I'd, vibe. I thought the trailer I was pretty. I thought trailer was pretty bad, personally. What? Uh, what was what was the vibe though? Like, because it was it just much the same as the same tone as Suicide Squad. Yeah, it was it was Peacemaker, obviously, but it was like I think in the the Suicide Squad, I think Peacemaker was really good because he had like because he wasn't like the sole focus of that film. He came in and gave his little comedy bits here and there amongst a lot of other people, a lot of other characters who um, he he was kind of like the for lack of a better word, the palate cleanser to these other characters. And you've got this guy who's super serious, but like is also a laughing, like you're supposed to laugh at him kind of thing. So it balances the film and gives it quite a good balance. 
this I think it feels like I don't think I'm not sure if I'm gonna like Peacemaker as the main character, if I'm being honest. I think I don't know, I just the vibe that again, like the jokes as well, I didn't laugh once, like no, I didn't really laugh during the during the Suicide Squad film either, to be fair. So yes, this show's probably not really for me, but I'll still watch it. Chris, any thoughts? Um, I think it looks alright to be fair. Um I think they try and make it quite quirky. Mm. Um and it also had the three people from Suicide Squad who were working with Amanda Waller. Mm. Uh, it's basically their mission to save the world with him. And they can all seriously kick ass, is what we've found out from the trailer. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to see it, am I, if it's on Sky Atlantic or HBO Max? But, yeah. Mm. I mean, I was surprised at how little Suicide Squad has box office. Um, you know, I feel like it... It came out too late, too early. I think they waited another month. People would have been a bit more cool with going out to the cinema. Mm. And I think they would have done a lot better. I think they did it just on the cusp of being too early. But it came out after Black Widow, and Black Widow did quite well. Well, I think as well, like, well, yeah, obviously, mm. yeah. I think uh, it um, was it rated R. I'm pretty sure it being rated R probably had something to do with it. Um, and also the fact that um, it came out on HBO Max at the same time. Like on the or like same day release, I think probably yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I think that probably is quite quite a big factor in it as well. Okay, but yeah. still, it's, it's a very that's a it's a really poor 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 box office. Like super poor. What was it? One hundred thirty million. Yeah, like the budget was one hundred eighty, and they made like one hundred sixty. The budget was one hundred eighty. Yeah. What are Warner Brothers spending their money on? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> probably the rat in it. Probably the rat man. Yeah, in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. The big CGI starfish they made. Oh, yeah. my God. Fucking Sami. Oh, <laughs> that's a Pokemon, mate. But, yeah, I mean, well, they managed to spend $165 million on June, and most of that was in Shadow, so... Wow. Uh, oh, you're a hater. Anyway, anyway. No, you're a hater. No, come, like, let me talk about Calma, this calma. Sorry, sorry, guys. What all are you going to talk about films in? Because... I do need to quickly do something, so... Well, we could talk about June, because you've not seen it, so... Uh, Alright, so We'll talk about spoilers, but, yeah. Uh, you can spoil it as much as you want, but I'll, I'll pop off for a bit, and just WhatsApp me when you've done that chat, I'll say. Right. Can I Go, say... Uh, uh, can I say, right, off the bat, yeah? <laughs> Glenn. Yeah? <laughs> In what universe... Is June? I'm not even saying June is like a like one of the best films yet, but in what universe is June worse than Venom Two? You, on the Instagram, you gave Venom six point five, you gave June five point five. There is no, there is no Earth in the multiverse where June is a worse, is a worse film than Venom Two. Venom Two. I'm just gonna, shit. I'm just gonna try it out there before I leave. I did not think Venom was a. What did you give it? Maybe a four point five. A four point five. Yeah. There's no. It wasn't a four point five. It wasn't good, but it wasn't a four point five. That film's, it film's fucking shit. Sorry. Uh, we'll, get in, we'll get into that we'll get into that I'll talk about that with you later anyway. um, but yeah I mean I think the difficulty is 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 you know you're comparing apples and pears right so apples and oranges whatever like in a lot of the craft June is infinitely better like it's a very well directed film and I hope that came through on my mini review but I just felt that it was kind of 
lacking in most of the other parts, particularly the, well, most crucially, the script and the action. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've seen it most recently, so why don't you give us a rundown of, of the film and, and what your thoughts are? Um, so yeah, rundown of the film. Um, it's set in a distant future, like the year 10,000 or something like that. There is like a empire, basically, like a galactic empire, um, from different planets. The one that we focused on is, I think it's House, Atre- I want to say Atreides. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and that, uh, house or house or planet, whichever it is, is yeah. run by, um, Oscar Isaac. He's the Duke, um, of that house. And his son, uh, played by Timothy Chalamet, who's Paul, and the uh, his wife, uh, Rebecca Ferguson. I cannot remember her name for the life of me. So Jessica. apologies. Oh, no, Jessica. Jessica. Okay, yeah, Jessica. And they are asked to. Oh, and there's um, uh, there's this thing called Spice, which for uh, for I think lack of a better word is like a psych- is like a psychotic kind of thing. Like it makes you see visions and stuff, and I think heightens your senses and whatnot. Um, and that's like. A fairly big part of the film, which actually is one of my criticisms, but anyway. Um, the and Emperor. These are space travel as well. Yeah, these are space travel, yeah. So, like, yeah, they say they make a big point of it. Like, spice is crucial, basically, to like, it's like the, the biggest commodity in the galaxy, basically. Um, so, yeah, they, the, so, uh, the house, Atreides, is asked by the Emperor, um, to go to, I can't remember, what's the planet called? It begins with an A, but I can't remember. Arin, Ariax, uh, or Aritrax, or something like that. Uh, Arrakis. Arrakis, thank you. They go, they asked to go to Arrakis to, I think, take over rule from, um, and like to harvest spice and stuff. They asked, they asked to take over rule from another group of people whose, whose names I also cannot remember. House Harkonnen. Thank you, Harkonnen. That's Dave Batista and and them, man. Um, and yeah, basically they go, they, so Timothy Chalamet and them lot. Um, Timothy Chalamet is, this is one of the reasons why I actually quite like this film is basically, he's basically like the chosen one. Um, the person who's supposed to, um, bring together like all the houses and all the planets and whatnot. Um, and they, they do go over that quite a lot in the film. Probably a bit too much, but, um, so yeah, they go over to this, the, the other planet, Ari, what was it called again? I'm sorry, sorry. Arrakis. <laughs> Arrakis, thank you. <laughs> to Arrakis. And they're ruling over that place. Uh, meanwhile, the Emperor and House Harkonnen um, are like sabotaging basically to get them the fuck out of here. Um, and the film is basically about um, them going to this new planet and that they've been sorry, got text on phone that they've been asked to they've been asked to rule over and they go they want to like harvest the spice and stuff. And I feel like their house House Atreides they're very like. They seem to be like very like loyal and they're very much like um not like Oscar Isaac, he doesn't see, he seems to be like a pretty good leader. It doesn't seem like anything sinister about him compared to some of the other people who's who who are leaders. Um and on this planet as well, there's like um sandworms and there's like loads of sa- uh sp- loads of spice. And there's also these like indigenous people who were kicked out by the Harkonnen. Um they're called the Fremen, I believe, these indigenous mm-hmm. people. Um, and they kind of like lurk in the desert, like they're kind of like the desert's like their land kind of thing. And they get pissed basically when people come and just to take the spice, and then they try and take over their land because like that's where they that's like their domain kind of thing. Yeah. Um. What else happens? Some shit happens. Um. 
There's a betrayal. Yep, there's a betrayal. Um, someone tries to assassinate uh, Paul, uh, Tim Chalamet, um, and then they don't really, they don't, actually don't retaliate, which I, which I feel like they, which I feel like it was a mistake, <laughs> to be honest, on their part. Well, they don't, at that they? point, he sees that little fly thing come through. Yeah. Right. And then they're like, oh, there's a spy. And he doesn't yeah. see anything else about them trying to find this spy until no. they come back and get destroyed. Yeah, and the spy reveals himself, yeah. Which I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, I was a bit uh, perplexed about that as well, to be fair. But um, in amongst all this, there's like this law about the Messiah, the Chosen One, um, a mother and son, um, and uh, the mother being uh, Rebecca Ferguson character. And she's like, she's like well-versed in like, she can fight and she's got like, they've got the power to like use their voice to control people. And also, um, uh, I forgot, completely forgot what I was going to say. But like, they've got like their own special, I want to say like a, maybe not a church, but some sort of like religion basically, which like there's a prophecy that, um, a boy would come and would be the chosen one and blah, 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 blah. And then like, I quite liked the bit about, um, with this lady, the Reverend Mother or whatever her name was, and she was saying to, um, to uh, Rebecca Ferguson, like you should have had a girl, kind of thing, because the fact that you had a boy means that this boy could possibly be the chosen one. What I don't know is why they don't want the chosen one to come about. I think maybe because she thinks he might be evil, or it might be it might lead to like some sort of destruction because she needs him into. She asks him to come into that room to test his his power, kind of thing. Yeah, I think um, so. There part of this sect called the Ben Jessery, I think, or Jesseret. Mm. Um yeah, like you said, like sort of like nuns, but mm. um obviously not celibate. Uh <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> the, the Reverend Mother was like, Oh, we plan in centuries rather than years. So mm. she basically said if Paul doesn't work out, then someone else will come along. Mm. But from what I gather, um Leto Atreides, which is Oscar Isaac, um I thought he was married to Lady Jessica, but then before he dies, it's like, oh, I should have married you. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, you're just a side yeah. piece. But, um, yeah, so Paul is like this mix of two different, you know, bloodlines, and yeah. they're trying to, like, basically, yeah, do some alchemy to mould him, perfect pure blood sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and the Reverend Mother says that this Ben Jessery went to Arrakis previously to basically sort of, like, start the prophecy, didn't they? To be like, mm. oh, this guy might come and he might be decent. And mm. so then when he arrives, they think, oh, he's... And everyone's like, yeah, this is... And I think... Yeah. Sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <clears throat> um, and I just like the, like the little subtle things where they're like, um, like the leader of the Fremen, um, when he comes to the thing and, he's, and he says in his language, like, oh, I recognise you, kind of thing. And it's just like little bits there. And like when um, uh, Paul puts on, has his suit on and he's put his suit on like perfectly... And the woman's like, how do you know how to do that? And he's like, oh, yeah, it just seemed like the right way. And then she was like, said something else in her language, like, oh, um, I don't know. I know what she said, but it was something like um, leading towards like, OK, this guy is the one who's going to lead us kind of thing. Um, yeah, because Paul has I'm, dreams, doesn't he, about the Fremen? Yeah. Maybe yeah. he can see in the future or. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a sucker. For, honestly, I'm a sucker for um, films about like the chosen one. Like, <laughs> like Matrix, Star Wars, Harry Potter, like 
I'm, I love all that, all that stuff, like and like fulfilling some fulfilling some sort of prophecy kind of thing. I, I, really, I really enjoy that. It's probably uh, the, the aspect of the film that I enjoyed the most, and also in like sorry, just and we can continue about the plot in a minute, but just say I also enjoyed like the lore and stuff. Like I do enjoy like them talking about all like shit that's happened in the past, and um, oh, uh, saying to Jessica, oh, um, why did you him saying like oh, teach him the ways and stuff like that, and him having like these different bloodlines and him being able, like so being like super powerful and being able to actually like use his use his powers obviously not to the best of his ability yet but on the, on his way there and i like how um like you said about the visions we are seeing like things that presumably will like i like him seeing stuff that presumably we would see in a sequel if the sequel does if the sequel does come um and then that kind of like the pe- all the people that he's seeing and all the, f- the visions that he's seeing, he's putting pieces together, begins to make more and more sense to him, to Paul, as the film goes along. And obviously you get towards the end when um, Zendaya hands him the the sword. I can't remember what they call the sword either. Um, but, yeah, so, and, uh, where, where else were we? Um, so, yeah, they, the Harkonnen, they plot with the Emperor to kill <laughs> everybody <laughs> um, mm. of the House of Treaties. Um, so they can, I suppose, so they can reclaim that land. Um, so then they come, invade the whole place, um, kill off everybody. They paralyze uh, Oscar Isaac's character. We find out that the doctor of from, of the family is the one who betrayed, uh, who's the one who's the traitor to the House of Treaties because they have captured his wife. Um, he gives, he ends up dying as well, which I thought was kind of peak. Um, yeah. And um, Oscar, he gives Oscar Isaac like a little tool in his um, in his tooth that basically released like a toxin which killed everybody in the room apparently, but the Emperor. Um, yeah, because he he he'd put his shield on, hadn't he? And he was oh, is that why? Oh, he's okay. not the Emperor; he's the Baron. Oh, we uh, we don't see the Emperor. Uh, do you know what? I was thinking in my mind. Uh, do you know all this time I thought that guy was the Emperor? Okay, no, he's like, he's the Baron Harkonnen. Uh, okay. so he's the head of House Harkonnen. Okay, okay, Because okay. I was going to say, the Empire, the Emperor is the one that removed Harkonnen from Arrakis and put Atreides there. So, so then plot yes, Harkonnen yes. wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, do you know what? Sorry. Yeah, now that you're saying um, this, that makes so but, much more sense. But I think Harkonnen have got a bit of a, a valid gripe, you know? They've yeah. been making 80 billion a year yeah. for, like, you know, this spice. Yeah. And on a whim, this Emperor, who we don't know who he is, has just decided, nah, I don't fancy it anymore, it's put Atreides in there. Like, you know, but then they said the emperor did that as a sabotage mm. because, like, the emperor put them there so that um, House of Trees would would like kill all of them. I think, like, I'm assuming that maybe the emperor has some sort of beef against um, Paul being the Messiah, and maybe that's that was the the plot to kind of get him get him gone, the kind of thing. But I maybe. don't know, so I'm quite I'm curious. Yeah, so Stellan, Fat Stellan Sarsgaard is is Baron Harkonnen, but yeah, okay. so he. He just put his shield up, and then he then um, the Duke Atreides bit into the you know poison, and yeah. so he wasn't fully okay. That uh, makes sense now. Yeah. Okay. I didn't catch him putting the shield on. To be fair, um, I thought that that shield thing's kind of cool. That was re- that was really cool. Yeah, I thought even like in the beginning when they were they were pra- when he, Paul was practicing fighting with um with the old man. Is that um is the old man Josh Brolin? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was, I was thinking this guy sounds like Thanos. Like, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was Josh Brolin. So, with with the whole betrayal thing, right? With 
the doctor, Dr. Yu, I think his name was. Um, I feel like that felt quite contrived to me. Um, you know, he, he then goes, oh, my wife's been taken. If you'd seen that, you'd seen him with his wife, and I don't know if he's got a kid, and they were taken by the Baron, then you can have some sort of empathy, right? You could be like, oh, I can see why he's done it, or, you know, he's, and, but he still tries to help the Duke at the end. But it was just sort of like someone is spying, they don't ever bother to investigate it, and then, um, then all of a sudden, Harkonnen come and attack uh, with, you know, essentially a load of King's Guard or whatever they are, and uh, then the Doctor's like, oh, yeah, he took my wife. Like, well, we, I didn't know you had a wife, mate. You've only appeared twice. Yeah, so, I, I do see what, you're, what you mean. I personally didn't mind it because um, it took me more by surprise that it was him. Um, and I appreciated that. I feel like if like you see his wife and suddenly you, you see her get captured, then, um, then I think it takes away the intrigue of who the traitor was. Um, but also, like you say, the fact that they didn't investigate who they think the traitor might be um, kind of like took away from the reveal, I guess. Yeah, and um, so obviously off after Harkonnen attack, most people get destroyed. Um, Did Josh yeah. Brolin die, by the way? Well, I was going to say, we don't ever get any yeah. conclusive, um, you know, conclusion to his his character. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, if he was the traitor or Duncan Idaho, which is one of the worst names for a character I've ever heard. <laughs> but, you know, you'd be a bit like, oh, okay, because they're actually in it a bit more. Whereas yeah, the doctor yeah, yeah. just comes twice, goes, oh, yeah, he's in perfect health, and then fucks yeah. off. Um, but hey, anyway, um, yeah. So Jessica and Paul uh, get kind of smuggled out of. Uh, I thought this scene was really cool, the by the way, like when they're attacking the planet. I thought that was like visually, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and then they go through a dust storm, mm. and uh, Paul sees a vision of the guy he ends up killing at the end mm. uh, to say, "Oh, you just sort of feel your way through it." So then he, you know, turns off the engine, and they sort of glide through the storm. Um, which is another one of those things where you see into the future and he gets help, but then actually that future would never happen because he ends up killing him. So that mm. kind of whole uh, sort of temporal thing is, is a bit kind of confusing to me, but maybe mm-hmm. yeah, maybe he does has the ability to change it. Um, yeah, then they meet the Fremen, which is headed up by Javier Bardem's character, mm. and uh, then he meets Johnny, who he's been having visions of, Zendaya. Mm. Um, and yeah, he sort of proves himself, doesn't he, to the Fremen by yeah. having a I've, fight. My biggest grab of this is that that fight ended way too quickly. Yeah, and also I didn't really quite understand why they started fighting. I like think he Javier, was... Sorry, Don. It seems like Javier Bardem's character, Bill Guy, according to this, um, was like vouching for them, and then the other guy, Jamis, was like, no, nah, I don't think so, and mm. then and he's like, oh, I need a champion. And then Paul was like, yeah, I'll fight you. Mm. And, then, and, and then that was it. And then, mm. I don't know, it just seems, again, it seems a bit kind of contrived. Like, mm. it didn't, for me, there wasn't enough cause effect. It was sort of like, oh, we just need this to happen. Um, and so that it happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. They, I feel like they kind of needed it to show Paul's skill, I suppose. Um, and show that he actually is like the fact the, what annoyed me was the fact that um, Zendaya was like oh yeah he's a, this guy he's a good fighter so he won't make you suffer and then Paul completely holds his own and then kills him I was like oh we didn't even see like I don't know if that was supposed to if that was just poor like 
a poor fight or if it's just to show, tell us like oh, actually now Paul's like legit. But he he has a vision beforehand though, doesn't he, of of being beaten up by yeah. him. Yeah. So he he knows what moves are going to happen is what I took from it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. And, sure. and okay. so he was sort of could uh, could anticipate it. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, uh, and then obviously it ends uh, part one. We should make clear this is mm. part one. Uh, although part two has not been greenlit yet, um, ends with Paul and Charney and the Fremen walking off to, I don't even know what they're doing, but it's like TV, to be continued. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, most of the, <laughs> most of the characters get introduced to end up dying, uh, in this part one. Um, but yeah, you, you sounded a, a lot hotter on it than I was, Obi, so give us your thoughts. Yeah, I, I re- honestly, I really enjoyed it and it might just be because um, when I asked you about it, you said it was very, like, meh. So I was thinking, okay, so... Because I think before that, um, I thought, oh, this actually looks really good. Um, but then, obviously, I asked you your opinion, so maybe that kind of like, lowered my expectations a little bit. But I was pleasantly surprised. I think um, it was really good. And I think I just... Like I said, I like when stories go into, like, deep lore and deep background, and I like things like them all speaking like different languages and Rebecca Ferguson's got the like the little sign language thing and I like the thing with like the power of the voice and you know I think I even I even liked like the relationship that um that Paul had with both his with both his parents like with his dad especially who kind of like like that one line that, that stuck out for me from the trailer as well was kind of like oh if you don't want to accept this burden like the only thing I ever need you to be was my son mm, and like yeah which I think was like a really strong line I really liked obviously we didn't get enough of it I would say but I really did like the relationship that he had with his dad and the dad was like bringing him into like meetings and stuff and wanting him to like take on the mantle and I feel like in a lot of these things like you get this supposed chosen one who doesn't really want to be the chosen yeah. one and they're like, normally like, like a petulant yeah. arsehole which he wasn't yeah. yeah exactly I think Paul was more than willing to to take up this mantle kind of thing and like be like even, want, like, even in the beginning he wanted to go and fight uh, he wanted to go to Ar- Arrakis so he could help out Duncan and like stuff like that like I, I really enjoyed and obviously I like, enjoyed the thing with mum because that just like leads into like a whole nother um, like realm of like possibility like how powerful this kid can be and she's like teaching him the ways and stuff like, even like, even even the phrase of oh, teaching the ways I uh, even <laughs> I fucking love stuff like some of that I fucking I'm a sucker for honestly um, <laughs> and yeah I feel like I would say like I enjoyed that one big big action set piece um of the the uh, thing being raided, the planet being raided, but I will ag- agree with you that I think there wasn't enough of it. Wasn't enough of it, uh, especially in a film that's two and a half hours long. Um, that's probably one of my main grabs of it, and I think um, I like the fact that like we get little bits and th- like little threads here that might lead that will hopefully lead into a sequel. Because like when the film ends, I'm actually and like I'm actually really looking forward to if there is a sequel. I'm really looking forward to to seeing it and seeing how. Um, how how everything like ends up, and um, it's one of them ones where like I actually feel like this could have been like a really good TV series, um, where you can like expand things a bit more, and you can like take you can like maybe take time to for it to breathe, and you can explain everything a bit more. Yeah, because um, they are they're planning on. a prequel to focus on the Ben Jessery. Oh okay, okay. If they, that goes ahead, I don't know. That would be cool. That would be cool. But yeah, I think overall, I, just, I, I don't know what, I don't know what it was about. I just really enjoyed it. Maybe because my expectations were a bit lower, but I did really, I had a really good time watching it. And despite it being quite long, I think I would probably watch it again. And okay. um, also, I, I just a nerdy thing, like I really like the design of like the suits and costumes and stuff. 
I think they look really cool, and they're obviously like they're, they're like practical suits as well, which I like in the world of like Marvel and DC and stuff. When you see suits now and everything's fucking CGI, yeah. I really enjoy like seeing things that are actually like practical stuff, and you can tell that like, someone's actually like crafted this. Um, Did you know the lady who played the uh, ecologist um, is? A, she was in EastEnders, and B... She was in EastEnders! She's Jordan's mum! Thank yeah. you! Oh, that was driving me crazy. I couldn't and she was also up. the voice of Alex Hunter's mum in FIFA 18. Oh, really? You know, the journey. Um, oh, man, that was driving me nuts. I literally... <laughs> who is this woman? I think she died. Yeah. She literally gets killed by Lucas. Anyway, um, and last thing as well, I just really liked, which I've never really seen before, so like their, their hovercrafts or helicopters, whatever they are, I like the way, just like the way they flew, like it was like a fly kind of thing. And yeah, like, it was like a like, um, hover, uh, yeah, hover fly. Yeah, it? I think that was. I've never really seen that before. I think that was really unique. I just really, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, good film. What would you give it out of ten? Um, I would probably give it um, maybe seven and a half, eight. I would say. Really? Yeah, I really, uh, honestly, I really, I really, you I really need like. Just start doing Instagram posts then, my guy, because. It's not, it's, you know, I'm not just the only voice of your average critics. So when people watch our Instagram, you know, they're saying, oh, they only gave it 5.5. Well, you know. Mm. I think 5.5 is so, is super harsh. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll up it to six, but, um, what was your thoughts on the music? Because you're always quite in tune with that. And I was acutely aware that 95% of this film has quite, like, brassy yeah. kind of music and I sort of felt like quite oppressed by it. I was yeah, like, I agree. Why is I it? Agree. It just felt too much. I thought it was too loud. <laughs> it's too loud, but too much. Like, I feel like music should accentuate the scene, not just run through the whole runtime. Yeah, uh, no, I know. I, I agree. Um, there was very few moments where, and I think you appreciate it, I suppose, maybe a bit more when there was just moments of like silence. Mm. And it was just you can this whole like, brrr, you know, yeah. like a, like a ship honking, it's, you know, I don't know, I felt like yeah. it was just too much. I no, like, I, I, I agree to be fair, it's not, um, it's Hans Zimmer, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not his best work. Yeah. So, I want to caveat that I think this film looks incredible. Like, Denis Villeneuve knows how to shoot a film. Mm. You know, all his films that I've seen have been visually kind of stunning. Um, and this is no different. Like, you could literally take a snapshot of any of the frames and you'd be like wow this is you know really well composed and he, he doesn't fill the frame with loads of stuff like it's quite sparse and makes you you know gives that sense of emptiness um which i like and i like his use of shadow and muted tones and things like that and even blade runner 2049 was a very aesthetically pleasing film mm. for me though and maybe it's just you know my lack of understanding but i just felt like they try to cover off so much in this film. It's the very point, dense. It's very it dense. Like they were throwing house names at you, planet yeah, names, yeah. casts of people. Yeah. And, and I was just like, well, hang on. I'm, I'm trying to orient myself here. Mm. Like, straight away, they're like, oh, yeah, this is how the trade is. Harkonnen being switched on Arrakis. And I'm like, I don't know what any of those mean. Mm. Like, what is an Atreides? What is an Arrakis? Who's a Fremen? Um, who's related to who? What's the kind of uh you know um family tree here who's mm. subservient to who you know and it just i was just so overwhelmed and straight away it was like they're having visions and he's having dreams and mm. what's happening when so mm. 
for me, I was just sort of like, that made me really think. I was like, right. I spent a lot of time thinking like, right, okay. So uh, they're from that house and they're beefing with them because what? And then like Dave Batista shows up a couple of times, but, you know, he's clearly for the next film. Um, so I just feel like they bit off a lot more they could chew. And considering it's two and a half hours long, we've already spoken about a few things where we were like, oh, that could have been expanded on. We need more detail here. We could have had more action. We need to know. Maybe Josh Brolin's character will turn up in the next film and it'll be like, hey, you didn't actually see him die, did you? Which, mm. you know, fine. But a lot, for the two and a half hour runtime, I felt a lot of it was quite ponderous. It was like he would have quite, you know, just that little bit too long a take. And what do you mean by ponderous? Sorry. So, like, it just felt like things would just slow down. It would be like thinking or like, you know, Paul would just be standing out looking, being like, hmm. Or Jessica would just be sort of like, you know, having a mad moment. And, and I was mm. like, you just need to quicken it up a bit, mate. You know, change the pace a little bit, maybe. Um, you know, just break break it up. I don't know. I, I felt like a lot of the runtime, not a lot happened, particularly. That's fair. I, I, I don't necessarily agree. But I understand where you're coming from, especially like the bit about you said about them like throwing a lot at you, um, which me personally I don't mind because I like all that stuff, um, and it's the kind of thing that actually makes me quite interested to read the book. Um, but um, I do understand like it's kind of, that's why I said like I feel like this would have been like a good TV series because you got more time to kind of like let yeah. people know about like every aspect of all the things that they were saying, all the houses and all, like the history and the law and stuff like that. Um, it, might, it might just be because I like going into that detail. You know, when when Duncan dies and he does that, you know, you know, he puts the sword kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. vertical like as well. yeah, yeah, and then yeah. horizontal. It's like, what's the symbolism of that? You know, you don't go into that. I have no idea. Like mm. that happens once, just as he's dying, and um, yeah. So I think I think they just bit off more than they could chew. And I also am not confident that they're going to get a part two. So um, I hope they do. I just really hope they do because I'm very interested to see. Oh, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, apparently it's already made one thirty, so they probably need to do at least that again to break even. Um, Weren't they but, fighting for this one to not be on HBO Max as well? Uh, well, I think Warner Brothers said that it would depend on how it does on HBO Max for whether they greenlit. Oh really? The sequel, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, because I mean, you know, the likelihood is part two is going to be another two and a half hour, hundred and sixty million dollar epic. So if this one doesn't attract the audience, then you know, I, I don't yeah. know about uh, part two. But yeah, it's I mean, it's, sorry, did you say it's already made one hundred and thirty million? Yeah, that's good. That's pretty good though, considering I think it cut its in the U. Yes, I think and the UK. I think it's just come out today, so probably still yeah, quite. It's a... only just come out today in the UK. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's still a long way to go. So I think that bodes pretty well. Yeah, I don't know if that includes any HBO Max. I don't know whether they did it as like a premium or anything, but mm. um, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Though I see, I see, I absolutely see where you're coming from. Um, I didn't dis. It's a weird thing. I didn't dislike the film. Yeah, I just I was seeing in my mind like. You know, I had I, I factored in the runtime, which yeah. was very long. That the what was filled within the runtime, the kind of confusion, that the fact they had so many massive actors in this, not a lot of them got that much to do. Um, so all of that combined, and I was like, you know, knocking off kind of half 
half a mark for each. I think maybe six, five and a half. You know, five and a half is probably harsh. Um, it's very hot take when I do these, but um, <laughs> and and like you said, you know, I've rated it lower than Venom. Let there be carnage, but this yeah. objectively, this is a much better film in terms of the actual you know music, everything, everything, on scene and all of that. But, but when we get into you know. Let's let's bring Chris back in, yeah, and we'll get into we we'll get into Venice. Just, because because I think I think the, the the fundamental difference is I enjoyed Venom more. Why? Um, Why? <laughs> it's such a bad film. Oh my gosh! Uh, let me. I'll go last. I'll go last. I'm in. Uh, I'm in the chat. Are you? Right? I wasn't sure if you'd heard any yeah. of that. Um. All right. So Venom, Let There Be Carnage, sequel to 2018 Venom. Um. I mean. There isn't much in the way of plot other than uh, uh, Cletus Cassidy, uh, you know, is being interviewed um, by, uh, what's his name, Freddie, Eddie Brock, and uh, then he fights him, gets infected with the symbiote, becomes carnage, breaks his girlfriend, uh, Screech, out of, was it Shriek, out of prison, um, and then they go on a rampage, uh, then Venom breaks up with Freddy Brock, <laughs> makes his way through a few people, uh, ends up in Mrs. Chan, and uh, then they fight, and because uh, they're not bros, Carnage and Cassidy, they're, they're not symbiotic. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they, 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 they don't work together, so uh, Shriek realises that, that she's, she's chosen the wrong guy. And uh, uses her scream energy to separate them, and then uh, Cassidy and Carnage both die. Well, actually, Carnage gets eaten by Venom. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! It's not because of her scream; it's because of the bell in it. Well, she scre- yeah, she screams. She screams on her way down, doesn't she? Yeah. That, that's like the funniest part of the film, where you think she, they're just going to ask her to scream, and then they fucking smack her against the bell. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, but they also removed the pendulum bit from the bell, didn't they? So it wouldn't have rung otherwise. But yeah, so that's that's it in a very quick nutshell. That's about as quick as the film is, 97 minutes. And I think fundamentally, you know, that's probably why I had a relatively good time because it was just breakneck pace. Yeah, the pace of this film is lightning fast. It's like, literally like yeah. they they chopped off all the fat. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to say that is that is literally probably the reason I actually thought the film was okay because uh, although in my head I was like I want more detail in these areas, I thought as a construct of a film it's a pretty poor story and it probably needed a bit more info prior because the end scene of Venom or should we say the uh, end credit scene of Venom Venom leading to this was so disjointed Mm. like they had to physically tell us that he didn't want to talk to him and that he came back for more it was just like what I mean the aspects of this film I did not like but I think in general, it's just a general, just easy watch. Mm. And I think that, and I think because I saw both your ratings beforehand, neither of which being very good, Obi's being astonishingly bad. Um, it's four point five astonishingly bad. Pretty. Pissed. I don't think I've ever heard you give a rating lower than four. I definitely have. Forget Transformers. La, la, la. What was that Jamie like, Fox one? Oh, uh, Sleepless. That That's it. Uh, I, 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 I forget about Sleepless and Transformers. What about another film? <laughs> you laughed. I named three. Yeah. Three films. But, so 
So, yeah, Chris Three. Martinez. That was one. That was two. That was two. Oh, I've never seen that. No comment. But I actually didn't like... I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was good. But I didn't think it was bad. So would you basically go in the middle? You'd be like a 5.5 5 or a 6. Do you think it's better uh, than the first yeah, one? Yeah, probably. Sorry. Do you think it's better than the first huh? one? Do you think it's better is than the first this, one? Is this better than the first one? Good question. Um, no. I feel like even though this one was meant to be more sinister, I feel like the first one was way more sinister. I don't like, think this one was very sinister at all, really. That's what I mean. This one should yeah. have been sinister because they, they, they had it spot on in terms of, like, story. So, like... Carnage is a serial killer. That's what makes Carnage so like strong and bad. Like I'm pretty sure in the comics, like it's an offspring of Venom, and then because it's attached itself to an absolute mental guy who likes to kill people, um, like its powers increase tenfold. Like kind of vibe. But here it's just like he's a bit of a loony. He bites him, gets the blood. Fine, I'm I'm chill with that. I mean that's. Let's get let's be real. Thinking uh, whatever his character's name is was a fucking dumbass, but whatever. Um, I just didn't like Oops. the fact that um, Tom Hardy's character. Um, oh, okay, right. Yeah, he's just fucking. He. I just don't. Do you know what? For me, I just don't think I like Tom Hardy as Venom. And mm. I don't know why. I just feel like he's he's just too much of a. What's the word? He's too much of a um, wet blanket. But, huh? Yeah. Too much of a wet bank, blanket and a bum. Like, yeah. I feel like in when when I envisioned Venom, yes, okay, he was. I think he's a bit more like suave. Yeah, he had a bit. I think the the, the Venom we see in Spider Man Three. Oh it, God. Is it? <laughs> I feel like that character's characterization of Venom is a better incarnation than this characterization of Venom. Mm. Not saying uh, would I rather put our Venom in that situation. Probably, but like in terms of like how the story's unfolded, I feel like that's a better story arc mm. than what we've had. Um, do I like that his ex-wife is in it? I mean, that whole scene was fucking dumb. That was Good so shit. dumb. Like, why would she fucking take him for a fucking dinner to tell him she'd get married? Just fucking just tell him over the phone. That's so <laughs> stupid. Like, I yeah. And, I think I understood. I understood that. Sorry, just quick to, to yeah. interrupt. I understood that scene because um, I get you. You might want to break us all news in person, just so like they don't just kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. be yeah, a bit softer no, about it. But her reaction to him being upset was really weird. Yeah, the weird. <laughs> Why can't you just be happy for me? Yeah. Oh, actually, straight off the bat, I tell you what pissed me off about the film. Straight off the bat, fucking Woody Harrelson voice voice acting for that fucking geezer. I was like, what? Was it? I didn't even know. What carnage? Yeah, so at the beginning when Carnage is younger, Woody Harrelson, oh, oh right, for the young actor, for the young is, actor. Du- is dubbed over the young actor. Yeah, I, I know. That. I was I like, what the fuck? I was like, just, just let him fucking talk. You, you grow up and your voice changes. Like that. Is I, wonder why, I wonder why they did that. That's weird. And yeah, I mean, he does have a very unique voice. But yeah, he does. I feel like they were trying to do it to present to us who that character was, but at the same time, if you just said Cletus out loud. Yeah. Um, there's not going to be many fetuses in the fucking world. You can like, just put two and two together, really, to be fair. Like, yeah. I don't think it's even... I feel like the story would have been better had there not been the determination of Carnage to get out of prison to be with his lover. Mm. I feel like that detached a little bit. Like, I feel, I wanted him to be a serial killer and I wanted him to be a fucking lunatic and I wanted him to just go on a rampage. 
Mm. He went on Rampage, but it was a bit shit. Um, are you talking about Carnage now? Or are you talking about Cletus? Carnage. Cletus was pretty shit as well, to be fair. Like, I saw no menace in him. Well, you the, know? Thing about, the thing about Cletus, I was thinking, like, so it just, I just, it bothered me that he invited Eddie to, like, interview him and then said a load of bollocks and then Eddie or Slash Venom used their time to figure out where the other bodies were buried and then he got pissed off <laughs> that yeah. he was about to, I was like, why did you invite the investigator, the ju- said- investigative journalist to come to fucking visit you and then you're pissed off when he figures out that the rest of your bodies are buried? Yeah, because like, he what? says to Eddie, doesn't he? He says, if you print this thing in the paper, I will tell you everything you want to know, right? Which presumably would be where the bodies are. He was like, I'll give you full access. And then he, he finds the bodies and he's like, you've caused me to die. Like, what yeah. did you think was going to happen? You're talking about. Yeah, but I, did, did Eddie print his, his message? Yeah. Yeah, he did. It was oh, the one did. that um, Shriek saw and was like, oh, you know, the code about the... Yeah, the... I feel like the story arcs of some people, I mean, actually everyone in this film, are Venom itself, was pretty shite. Yeah, no um, one had a story. Arc like, the copper, the copper being the copper from the van years ago, that just came out of fucking nowhere, and I was like, "What? Like, why wasn't needed?" He's like, a, he's another supposed he's, to be like another he's, version, he's, isn't it? Of he's, now gonna be, he's now going to be anti-toxin, which is yeah. really strong against venom and carnage. But and yeah. what I asked, what I, so just quickly about him, what I said to Glenn afterwards is like, we see him at the end with like glowing blue eyes or whatever, but. I didn't see anything happen to him to indicate that he'd been infected in any sort of way, shape or form. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that the woman had touched both Carnage and Venom and she then touched him. It's right. the only thing I can think of. Because that's what that's what um that's what I was thinking yesterday, but that's the only thing I can think of. Um mm. I did like the fact that Carnage turned on her. I thought, yeah, okay, she's pissing him off and it was bound to happen. Um I don't know if I like that Venom. I don't know if that's how Venom defeats Carnage in real life. In not in real life, but um, in the comics, like eating mm. him. That was a bit. I was like, okay, it was that easy? Was it? Um, but, yeah, because um, I mean, he, he says the only way to kill a symbiote is to is either through noise or fire, presumably a combination of both. So if he eats the Carnage symbiote, then surely he would have some of that inside him, right? Mm. Yeah, well, the but, Carnage symbiote is him. That's true. So I mean. I know that my score doesn't actually make that much sense. Right. Because when you do bite into bite down into it, um it's it's not a great film. There's a lot if you unpick the surface, there's a lot of like inconsistencies <coughs> or plot points that don't really make much sense. Like none of the characters really have that much of an arc, like Shriek is, is kind of waste you know, basically just there for the end. Um, Carnage, we don't really see much of, like, what he can do, what he's capable of. There's barely any kind of development of Cletus and Carnage together, um, like you do with Eddie Brock and Venom, um, which is, I think, a shame, because Carnage is quite a big character in in this, you know, in the Spider-Man universe. So the fact that he's assumedly gone, uh, at least for the time being, is, is, is a shame. And Cletus obviously is behind the screen a lot of the time. Um, so on that aspect, it's not great. But I think one of the things that I enjoyed to an extent about this film is 
don't have time to think about all of that because mm. you're just being bombarded with like boom, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing, and then it's over. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like it felt like a bit, you know, like a roller coaster ride. You're like, okay, cool. This has happened very quickly, and you know what you can remember at that moment. It's like, oh yeah, that was all right actually. Um, there wasn't any time to be bored. Um, I think I knew to an extent what to expect after the disappointment of the first film because I didn't really yeah. like the humour in the first film. Um, I was like, why is this? Why are they trying to be funny? Um, so all of that stuff, which I found a lot more palatable in this one. So the, I actually laughed a few times. Um, you know, I expected Venom to be them to have like this kind of weird kind of bromance relationship kind of vibe um you know odd couple um tom hardy was less sweaty in this i feel like in the first film most of the time he just looked like he was sweating all the time or like really ill um and maybe that's because he's used to venom now but i just didn't like that and i thought he was really annoying in the first film but i think a lot of it is about my expectation and so based on it's all about the context right based on I enjoyed it more than the first film, purely because I knew what to expect. So the mm. humour, I wasn't like, why are they trying to make this funny? He should be a villain. I was like, oh yeah, this is what it is. And so in that respect, I thought, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. You know, like I said, the script's terrible. Um, a lot of it doesn't work when you deep, you know, dive deeply into it. But I was entertained for 97 minutes. So... In that regard, uh, it has that over something like June, um, which is, you know, objectively a better put together film. But, you know, it's just one of those weird, you know, nuances of, you know, if, if you're kind of entertained for 97 minutes rather than being bored slightly for two and a half hours, you're going to, you know, despite the merits of the of June Venom at that moment in time. I had a bit of a better, better time, um, and there was no nice. venom, 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 venom from Eminem at the end, which was shocking in the first one as well. But was in the middle by another lady, Little Sims. Yeah, that yeah. was. I was like, why is Little Sims in this? Yeah, uh, it was random. Yeah, she wasn't that great. I, I think I think I agree with you, Glenn. I think because it was so far fast paced, my, and my expectation was low due to your two ratings and the previous Venom. I thought, I, although bits I did, I was like, what? I thought it was a fine, it was okay. It was a decent film. I can't compare it to June. Haven't watched it. Um, but yeah. Um, but I guess, Obi, if you want to give your opinion before we talk about the post credit scene. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, this was crap. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. This film is fucking rubbish. Like, I get it what you mean. Like, the thing about the film being so fast paced that you don't have enough time to think. But I just think you can't just chop these scenes up like the way they did. I think the editing for this film is horrible. There's no time to breathe. There's no plot in this film whatsoever. Like, what is Cletus's motivation in this? Like, wh- wh- why is Eddie and fucking Venom have this fucking romantic comedy bullshit? <laughs> why is all the action so all the fucking same? It's all, all the action is just so fucking, like, destructive. It's just mm. loud and destructive. Like, nothing else happened apart from Venom smashing shit up. Fucking, at some point just fucking gave me a fucking headache if I'm being completely honest I think the character of um, what's her name the Shriek the Shriek Naomi Harris like I just think it was so poorly written for one and 
poorly acted for two. I was just like, this is fucking jarring my head off. I think that Tom Hardy in this film and in the first Venom is really bad. And I don't know if that's from like direction or if it's dialogue or what it is, but I just, I sometimes like his mood or his accent or what he's saying doesn't match the tone of the scene. I say sometimes, a lot of the time, doesn't match the tone of the scene at all. And like even the bit where um where Venom is um trying to show him uh what he might what he missed when they visited Cletus and he's like drawing out for him and he just acts bare stupid. I'm just like, what? You're supposed to be like a proper intelligent like investigator kind of thing. Why are you acting like a knobhead? Um I couldn't understand like half of what Venom was saying. Um this is why I love watching films with sub watching sub watching stuff yeah. with subtitles. Like half of it literally are it's just like, and I'm like, what are you saying? Like, it's fucking yeah. getting on my fucking nerves. What else did I like about it? I'm just going through what I wrote to you, Greg. It's like a Bane part two, mate. It literally, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's worse than Bane, to be honest. I feel like, yeah, yeah it's definitely worse than Bane. I mean, I think I'm just opposed to it, but I do get your point. Fair enough. Um, yeah, the film, the, the pace is awful. I think that the first one's better for me because the first one actually has stories and motivations for characters. And, like, this film, I just think he invites Eddie Brock to to do a piece on him. For what reason? I'm not sure. Was he going to have, was he going to have a death penalty before that? But then he has death penalty after it. And now he's pissed off. For some reason, he he bites um, Eddie's finger. And then Venom just comes out and pins Cletus to the wall. The security guard is standing two yeah. feet away <laughs> from away from Eddie and apparently doesn't see any of it. And whatever. Then obviously they break up. Venom and 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 Eddie, they're fucking at loggerheads or whatever. They break up. But after the story, I don't mind that much. But then presumably Venom just goes around like infecting people with him and kill, presumably killing them. I think, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I think they do die. Like he, so he's just killing random innocent people, and then he goes to a rave, and it, yeah, that it was seems like weird. a very like LGBTQ mixture of obviously misconstrue Venom's trying to say something else but you crowd yeah, interpret yeah. it as something like else. That. I, thought that <laughs> I, like that. I thought that was that was weird. I mean I, I didn't like that. I didn't mind it but I just thought it was I just thought it, it was, was weird. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like the, so obviously the contrast of like Venom just being black and white to this like colourful kind of um glow stick environment. I was yeah. like why has Andy Serkis decided <laughs> that Venom should go to an underground rave and that little Sims is gonna cameo in it? Yeah. I literally, I was like, I saw the poster and I was like, oh, featuring Little Sims. I was like, no, she's not going to be in this film, is she? Yeah. What? And then I don't think she played it very well at all. No. Like, I, she was quite good in um, Top Boy, but... Yeah, she was a good Top Boy. But, um, but yeah, that I thought was strange. I thought he was going to start rapping. I'm quite glad that he didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you've got... Um, and then, like, obviously the whole Carnage character. We don't, I think, I mean... I mean you agreed on this like, we don't see enough carnage in this film um, don't, have, don't too little yeah, yeah you get the probably the prison breakout scene and then you get the scene at the end um, I guess and that's pretty much it I didn't really love the how actually no I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll say I didn't like the way they were fighting but I suppose what else can you do for those two characters I guess that's whatever um, but and then the, the, the film just ended so abruptly and I just thought that the, like there was very few aspects of the of the film that I enjoyed. I think in the first one, I at least could 
understand like Riz Ahmed's character and he was, he was trying to like do stuff for like science purposes and like I liked Eddie's character as somebody who obviously was quite successful but then he fucked up and um, you know he has that relationship like that like on off relationship with Michelle is it Michelle Williams um, in this one it seems like very like and his relationship with her seems very like I don't know like what he just seems like a sad sack and like he's obviously upset that she's gone gone off with somebody else but then she's like angry him for that but then she still comes back and decides to turn into Venom she's the only person as well who and then Mrs Chan actually who get the Venom thing in them but it goes to their body shape like Michelle Williams it comes she becomes like a female Venom whereas everybody else when he took over a couple of women he just he was still like big Venom like he was on Tom Hardy which I thought was I don't know why they made that choice it was strange to me um and yeah, the best the best thing about this film is the post credit scene, and even the post credit scene got spoiled for me, so I didn't even yeah, get to enjoy same, that. Same. So yeah, I I think this film's really bad, personally. Fair enough. I mean, to be honest, it's again, it, it this film's unique in that I don't really disagree with anything you said. Yet we we have, you know, kind of a two point difference in our um kind of rating. And I think oh sorry, last bit. Sorry, 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 last bit is the bit at the end when Woody Harrison says to Venom before he dies, I wanted to be your friend. I was like, what? Why? When did, why do you want to be his friend? When did yeah. you ever, when did you ever give us any indication? I reckon, I reckon there's a two hour 10. Has um, to be. Director's cut of this. Has to be. Which would probably, it'd probably be like, you know, Justice League, you know, the Snyder cut. You mm. watch it and you're like, I get a lot more of this now and it is better. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about the post credit scene. Uh, unfortunately, um, it came out in America two weeks before it did in the UK, so um, it was spoiled on Twitter. Um, and I've actually deleted Twitter because um, perhaps the uh, Eternals post-credit scenes have also been doing the rounds. Oh sure. Uh, so I'm just avoiding that at all costs. I've deleted Twitter, hence why I didn't know that DC fandom was going on. Um, <laughs> You're a strong yeah. man. I don't think I, I don't think I can delete my Twitter. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I do. I do keep being like, oh, maybe I'll just re-download it for a bit. Particularly when Man United were losing, I was like, I want to see what Touchline are saying about this. <laughs> um, but I resisted the urge. Um, yeah. So the post-credit scene. Um, so after defeating Carnage, um, Venom and Eddie Brock decide that they want to be the protectors of something. I don't know, mas- masters of the universe or something. Um, then they go <laughs> to like. No, isn't it the Venom saying that he can he can sense all the other universes? That's afterwards. So oh. they go on the beach. Don't they? I think you say, like, I think, oh. sorry. I think you say lethal protectors. By the way, I, think I want to be lethal, lethal Bizzle or whatever it is. And, and yeah. you're like, oh, okay, well, fine. Um, you should be a villain. But then they yeah. go to like. It makes sense though. They're sitting on like you know Kosamui or something, nice beach, and then um, yeah, out of absolutely nowhere, Venom's like, um, well, you know what, I can. Uh, you know, I've got a hive knowledge of 80 billion light years worth of, uh, of the symbiotes. And you're like, whoa, 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 what? I want to come back to that. And then all of a sudden, then he says, yeah, then he says, I can show you other things. And then the multiverse kind of kicks in and then they end up in the MCU world, which initially I, was, I thought Venom was show. I thought he was going to show him. That's what I thought. Yeah. This is the Peter Parker I know. This is, you know, there's another Venom that was knows Tobey Maguire. So, that kind of didn't work for me that well. Because... Why did they? Sorry, I can't, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry to interrupt you, but why did they tell us the thing about the billions of uh, uh, universes or whatever through the symbiotes, and then 
they do the multiverse thing and then Tom Eddie Brock says, Was that you? And he goes, No. So then why did you tell us about it then? So I so you know, um when he's talking about the hive knowledge, that's yeah. the only bit I call. Someone else told me about how he said about the other universes. So I feel like the hive knowledge is something he always had but didn't divulge it. Talking yeah. about the universes doesn't really make sense to me. I don't think any of it really because like why uh, why mention the thing about the hive universes and then and then not build on anything about that. You just it's literally like a throwaway line. I don't understand. I I, I think the cynic, the cynic in me is is thinking they're just using that as a plot device so that when he turns up in No Way Home and he recognizes all the Spider Men, it's just because he's got the hive mind. Okay. Well, well, see, see, I want to agree with you there, but then I I feel like I don't because I almost got a feeling that so. Like I almost got a feeling that he his his venom got taken over almost by an, the other venom that we we know because he he got really rolled up when he saw Tom Holland's venom uh, Spider Man and that's that's unnatural for him if he doesn't know who he is prior. But then but, like the other venom we know is Tobey Maguire's. Uh, yeah, yeah, but so then, then, why would then he get that, rolled up? Then that leads me to think that. So you remember when we were talking about Spider Man and we we're saying, Oh, we, we hope it's like all of them in the same universe. What if it is Tom Holland's character has just taken over the body of Toby Maguire's one? Oh, I hope that's not it. <laughs> but I don't know, yeah, I think I think personally it's a throwaway comment. I feel like it was really it's really silly to have this in prior yeah. to the multiverse of madness or yeah. or um Spider Man's uh what is it? No way home or whatever. No. Uh, yeah, no way home. Yeah, no way home. Yeah, like I feel like it's really silly to have this this cut scene. I I don't mind it, um, but obviously the, the universe has been skewed because he ended up in a different room. I'm assuming. Oh, he, oh sorry. Go. Instead of stealing someone's room. Yeah, I think he is in it. Well, he's, well, I think I imagine he's in the same place, just in a different universe. So it's yeah. is yeah. I feel so like it needs more context. It like really lacked context yeah. and. I think because of its placement prior to Spider-Man, it doesn't make sense. I was just going to say, like, um, yeah, I agree with that, actually. I don't know, because obviously um, he sees Spider-Man on the TV screen. Presumably, well, to be fair, we don't know that certain, but presumably that's the same scene from the end of uh, Far From Home. Mm. So, like, at what point now does he did, did that multiverse change take place, if that makes sense? So from 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 uh yeah and it's actually in fairness no way home could be like right after far from home but no but that does bring into question when does the multiverse happen because we from the trailer it looks like the multiverse gets broken because dr strange fucks around with it but that would have happened after everyone knows that tom holland is um spider-man so therefore unless he got brought back in time a bit so when Venom goes yeah. into that universe and gets brought back in time. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. Because then also, like, even in one division, we were sort of like, oh, has she just split the multiverse? Mm. And Loki. Yeah, I definitely think this cutscene is like, really stupid. Can I uh, say as well, like, um, sorry, Chris, just to quickly interrupt you. Yeah. Somebody said on the internet, I was thought this would be really funny. Imagine if, like, Sony didn't tell, like, <laughs> Disney about this and they just did it. <laughs> Yeah. Sounded, yeah, fucking we're in the MCU now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it felt like. <laughs> I'm the captain now. Yeah, honestly, I, I wish, I wish, I hope that they just did it without, without telling anybody. Kevin Feige's so like, fuck's sake. 
<laughs> I think I'll be so joked. Sorry, Chris, go on. I just yeah, it just it doesn't make sense because because that scene we see of Spider Man isn't quite the same scene we see in um at the end of Far From Home. I think it is I think it is the exact same scene. I don't think it's new footage. What, you see a photo of Spider Man with his mask just standing there? Yeah. It it looked like a scene from where he he he's now known for being Spider Man to me. Okay. And again, like you said, it doesn't make sense because the multiverse thing happens after because of all this chaos happening. He then goes to Strange. Strange changes the timeline, we assume, fucks it up and mashes mashes their shit together. Mm. Um, so unless it's this is unless this is when he's mashing shit together, and this should be side on to when we start watching Spider Man. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, I, d- I feel like it adds more complication than it adds uh, entertainment, really. Um, did you guys notice the um, Amazing Spider-Man 2 nod when Anne is being dangled down by the church? And I'm not sure that's a nod to Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah, it mirrors, it mirrors how Gwen Stacy dies, doesn't it? Because she yeah, ends but, up falling so, and Spider-Man can't save her, but Venom yeah. can't save Anne. Same with Spider-Man, the first one, where he stops the lift from falling and he grabs that girl. Oh, but I mean, in terms of like both Anne and Gwen Stacy both being blonde, they're both dangling. You've got Spider-Man and Venom trying to save them. Spider-Man couldn't, but Venom does. I don't know. I just I, that that's what it brought in my mind. Um, yeah. Any any more thoughts on Venom? Well, it just makes me think Venom's going to be part of like some Sinister Six against Spider-Man now. I don't think. I was, and Venom's not. I not feel like. Kind of Venom's reaction in that last scene doesn't make sense. It's just really bugging me. Like, he comes out of the body when he sees Tom Holland, goes back into the body, doesn't know what's fucking happened, says it wasn't him. So, doesn't really... The the mention about the hive information is fucking shit as well. Actually, no no context is given there. um, Or needed. I just don't know. It just seems really pointless. I wish I just didn't didn't see it, to be honest. I will say that um, my saving grace about this about Venom being in the MCU is that I'm hoping that that means if they do another Venom film I don't know if they imagine three Venom films Jesus if they do do another <laughs> Venom film that it will be significantly better than because cause Kevin Feige will be like overseeing it so that, uh, I feel like I it would be better than the ones we've gotten so far that's the only saving grace that I have really. I think that's optimistic at best because this is so, like Sony have already announced their own like Sony Universe of Spider-Man characters or whatever it's called mm. um, and Venom is, is the front runner of that isn't he so oh is I he think, I believe but like currently I mean you'll have Morbius and then I don't know they, is Craven the Hunter part of this as well or is that MCU yeah, yeah. yeah no that is so I think they might have some sort of like lending agreement being like hey we gave you Tom Holland for like three four films can you just Allow well, it. did you see the thing that Tom Holland said about his films? Yeah. Yeah, that, it's, it's the, they're treating it as the final part of the trilogy. Yeah. I was saying, I was saying, who was I saying it to? can't remember who I was saying it to, but I was saying, this is ample time. After this Spider-Man film comes out, this is time for Sony to get their asses in gear. They've, in, they've reintroduced Tobey Maguire. They've reintroduced Andrew Garfield. Doctor Strange sorts out the multiverse. And then we get Spider-Man 4 and Amazing Spider-Man 3 released. No one will give a shit for context. Everyone will want to see it. We should 
do it. And if they don't, they're shit. Everyone's dabbing right now. But yeah, I mean, it could it could happen. I mean, I feel like you don't cast someone like Tom Holland who would could essentially realistically be Spider-Man for the rest of his life because he's that young. You know, you're not going to recast Spider-Man. You're also not going to then just have Spider-Man absent from future MCU films. So I think whilst they're treating it like that, like, I feel like they're going to definitely need to have him. Well, so I read somewhere that, like... um so, obviously, I think he, when he originally said, oh, he'll do the Spider-Man films forever, I feel like he didn't realise how much publicity he would get, because, like, he now needs to take a break from this to do other bits. But I read that Sony basically, or Sony or Marvel, basically want him to potentially be in other films, but as a solo film, they want him to, his character to age. They go from school to, like, midlife before they start a new trilogy. They might have to wait a while then, because he's he's like twenty five, but he looks yeah. about eighteen, doesn't he? He looks very young. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. So he's eighteen. So in Marvel years, we got to wait like five years, and then we start getting a new trilogy. Which, in terms of Marvel films, probably isn't that far. Like, obviously, five years is a long time, but that's what twenty twenty six. We start a new trilogy or something. It's not that far away. Or even if he's twenty one, so three years time. Yeah, is he eighteen? In the oh. film. I- it's because he's in his second. He's in his last year of school, isn't he? Yeah, it'd be like sixteen, seventeen, probably. There's a thing because one of the kids tries to get alcohol, and they go, "Well, he he was in the blip." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you have to be twenty-one in America, obviously, isn't you? So, um, so if there's been five years and tw- you've got to be twenty-one, so then there's sixteen, seventeen, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there will be a Venom 3. It's done quite well at the box office. 286 so far. I'm part of the problem. I need to stop, I need to stop going to watch these films. <laughs> I'm actually part of the problem. I'm complaining, but... You know. You're not, because you don't actually pay a ticket for that ticket specifically. Right. It all counts. I imagine it counts towards something. Probably taking average. Well, I think you're right in terms of, like, Suicide Squad was R, and I'm pretty sure Venom was PG-13, even though it's 15 in this country. Mm. Um, but... By the by, um, right. What do you want to talk about next? Um, should we talk about the last jewel? Yeah, I don't mind. We've both seen that. Um, so this is another very long film. Um, it's a Ridley Scott epic historical drama, which he seems to love. Gladiator, the ma- um, all the money in the world. He's doing the House of Gucci. He just loves a true story, doesn't he? Um, so this is uh, basically a 14th century uh, setting, which is the 1300s, for anyone who doesn't understand. You know, I do. Well. Um, so essentially, it's about a bunch of knights. Um, and uh, so you've got um, Jean de Carouge, who's played by Matt Damon. Jacques Legree, who's played by Anne Driver. Uh, they're squires. Uh, in France, and they're fighting under Count Pierre de Elenfon, um, under King Charles VI, and um, they're good mates, Jacques and Jean. Uh, Jean's like, you know, battle-hardened, uh, a bit like more cynical, and Jacques is kind of more educated and better-looking, more, you know, curries favour with the Count. Uh, Jean marries Marguerite, um, who's, you know, kind of like Game of Thrones, marrying of houses to share land and power. 
Um, he goes off to war. She uh, alleges that she is raped by Jacques, and then basically Jean says, "Well, no one, no one's going to take you seriously without me." So challenges Jacques to a duel to the death um, in her honour, and then it's basically up to God to decide. You know, if if he survives, then she's telling the truth, and if he dies, then it means she was lying, and she will be uh, hung and burned alive. Um, the film is told in basically three parts, which I found quite interesting. So the first part is the truth according to Jacques, Le, uh, sorry Jean de Carouge. Um, then you see a load of sequences uh, up until him throwing down his glove to say, "I challenge you, Jacques." Then you see the truth according to Jacques. So you see some of the same scenes, um, but with slightly different dialogue, or maybe he says the dialogue other than Jean. Um, you also see a lot more of. Pierre in this um, where you know you see things that Jean has talked about but from uh, Jacques kind of point of view and, and you see the context of, of leading up to these events um, and then that ends with him basically accepting the duel and then you see the truth according to Marguerite uh, and then it lingers on the subtitle the truth which uh, I think is important um, saying that this is the true version of events. And again, you see a slightly different version of what we've seen thus far. Um, and then the kind of final 20 minutes or so is, is the big duel, which uh, Jean wins. Uh, but, I mean, the way he kills Jack, I thought was sick. Oh, my God, yeah, that was fucking horrible. So, like, he has this, he's, like, he's kind of losing, and then he sort of gets him into this um, kind of, like, chokehold he's got like his he's trying to bury his knife into the in his head uh which is he's being met with resistance so he turns him onto his side fucking knees him in the back of the head mm. and his head just goes straight through i was like oh christ it was a thing there was a line as well before i think he's i think um which one's adam driver jack uh yeah yeah so he says like um he said like obviously um john says oh yeah confess and he's like no i won't confess da, 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 da. i didn't do it um if god thinks I'm lying then let me be like um given like eternal damnation or something like that and then I think Jean says okay then let you be damned and then he stabs him through the face I was like fuck that was, yeah but it's the knee in the back of the head yeah, I love like I, I, and I guess I'll talk about this in a bit with Halloween but I like really inventive kills mm. uh, that's kind of sick but um I you're a sick man cool. so it's okay but that's cool um and then yeah Jacques gets absolutely violated doesn't he by being stripped and then Hung upside down with his little wiener, like flopping around. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's a very like rushed um, account of the film. Uh, it's based on a true story, um, and I guess it's it's sort of showing that, uh, rape allegations, how they were treated back then, and mm. maybe not changed that much in uh, mm. seven hundred years, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, so they basically didn't they say. Um, rape against a woman is actually a property crime yeah rather than yeah. a crime against a woman and therefore it's actually a crime against the man who owns the property yeah. therefore without jean fighting for her she doesn't actually have any there's no legal um case there which was, mm. like some of the things they were saying you know like in the character saying like when jean's mum's like oh i was raped but i just got over it you know yeah. you sort of sit in there as a modern audience being like Oh, well. The thing about um, was it about um, you can't 
Oh, what was it? You, like, you can't conceive a baby unless you enjoy sex or something like that. Yeah, and, and, and you can't that. conceive it, can't conceive through rape. Yeah, I was like, what? I was just like, what? <laughs> and then the fact they were like, yeah, science backed it up. I was like, what? Yeah, science. I was like, oh, <laughs> <Science>. Lord. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I actually, um, enjoy is probably the wrong word because obviously it's a heavy subject matter and to say that you enjoy a film about that is kind of not the right term. But I, I had an appreciation, I think, for this film. Um, I liked the way it was structured in terms of like, it's his version of the story, Jacques' version of the story, and then the truth, which was, you know, somewhere in the middle. Um, I like you hearing about Jean says, oh, well, I confronted the king and this is what happened. And then you sort of see the context leading up to it uh, from the other perspective. I think they could have done a bit more action. Um, again, like the battle scenes, they sort of end midway through, which was a bit frustrating. But um, I thought it was well acted. I thought the accents were atrocious. Oh, all over the I shop. Mean, oh my they God. are in France. And I get it if you're... You know, you're, you're sort of like, I know you didn't like it with the death of Stalin, where they're like, we're in Russia, but we're not speaking in Russian accents. I get like, you're not going to attempt a French accent because it's going to probably going to be shit. But why are you attempting some sort of, sort of British accent, which then occasionally sounds Scottish or American? Yeah, it was, it was so bad. <laughs> I was just like, just either use your own accent or just attempt a terrible French accent. Um, so, yeah, that, that was probably the worst part of the film. Uh, and, and, and Ben Affleck's bleach blonde hair, but um, I didn't mind that that much. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I I had an appreciation for this film, and um, I mean the fact that it's a hundred billion dollar film. Don't know what twentieth century Fox spent that money on. It should have mm. been thirty million max. Mm. Like I I struggled to see where they spent the money in this film, unless Matt Damon and Ben Affleck had twenty five million dollars each. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what were your thoughts, Obi? Um, yeah, same as you. I think, um, obviously, yeah, like you say, like, enjoy is probably not the right word, but I think this is a good, it's a good film. Um, it's a very well made film. Um, I really like the aesthetic, um, like just like the set pieces and like, um, in the castle, like the shots of like the forest and stuff like that and just like the general setting that they were in. Um, like you, I think uh, it is, it is well acted and especially I, I feel like, um, Adam Driver. Um, is like every time I see him, I feel like he gets like a little bit better at mm. acting. Um, he's he's definitely going to win an Oscar soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really did, I really did enjoy his his character in this. I think he from like the few three or four roles, maybe three or four, maybe five roles I've seen him in. I feel like he's got quite a lot of range as well. I think he does well at like, playing like different uh, personalities. Sort of. I, I think he's a really good actor as well. I agree with mm. you both. I um. I, I tell you, I think I I also enjoyed like the the story from three aspects, like that kind of thing. I like that, obviously from um, Jean's point of view, he's like I was like a proper like loving husband, like super courageous and yeah. whatnot. From Jacques' point of view, like uh, Jean is like rash and stupid, and you know, and he's just kind of like um, uh, doing like the right thing and doing what he's owed and blah 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 blah. And he's like a noble person serving his count or whatever. Um, I do think he's him and Ben Affleck are but they're sexual deviants, but you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then obviously you get uh, Marguerite's version, which obviously the version of the truth. I do like that they lingered on that bit, the truth as well, so you know, okay, this is actually the part that we should be focusing on the most. One thing I didn't like actually is that 
So the rape scene um, is pretty, is very, very, very similar from both Jacques' point of view and Marguerite's point of view. I would have thought that to make it a bit more. Maybe I suppose it might just be to hammer home the fact that there's no ambi- there should be no ambiguity about it. I guess, but like I thought from maybe from Jacques' point of view that it should have been not look like rape because like he did just like in his point of view he did just rape her she was saying like please no something like that the only difference in Marguerite's version is that she protested a lot more but she still did protest in his version too so yeah. I thought there was like as soon as I saw that okay okay there's no ambiguity then she was 100% rape yeah. so like, he, he says he says to Pierre doesn't he that oh I thought she was just doing the usual thing a woman does and you know they're sort yeah, of like half ass protesting mm-hmm. um, you know so that's still how he tried to justify it. So, yeah, yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah. I do wonder whether we needed to see it. I mean, I guess you... I guess you sort of do need to see it from the both point of views, but maybe you could have just focused on her face. Mm. Like, that could have conveyed quite a lot rather than you know, some of the other aspects of it. But, yeah. Mm. Like yeah. It. And, um, yeah, I think it obviously does show, like, a lot of aspects of what um like what rape, rape culture like that whole everything around it like what it was back then and kind of like still is now even with the, even the the point where um <laughs> where, like from when it was like nearest to the end and um she marguerite tells jean that she's been raped and he says um oh what more evil can this man do to me and she's like yeah. to you <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about and then even after that he's like oh yeah I won't let him be like the last man to be with you kind of thing. So then he um, yeah. has sex after as well. I was thinking like, this is... Like, uh, even, yeah, go on. Even her friend being like, oh, you did think he was handsome though. Yeah, exactly. As if like that means that, you know, it, she was up for it. So, yeah, it's... Uh, exactly. And like, yeah, along with that, obviously that what we've been saying, like the, the very, um, I suppose I would say anti-female, like... <laughs> agenda on this on this whole on this whole thing which is obviously like if if the woman um if the woman falsely accuses that is found to have falsely accused the man of rape she's to be burned alive and like oh who's going to be the judge of that god will be the judge of that only it's not really god it's two men fighting um yeah. but then that's to believe to be like divine intervention um at that point and even You've got uh, what's it called? Uh, he's accused. Jock's accused. The the judge of who, of the verdict is Ben Affleck's character, who is like them, him and Jock are like best friends. So like yeah. he just straight away says, "Oh yeah, no, you're not going down for this. Don't worry." Like yeah. <laughs> it's just like they're, oh, they're Eskimo friends, man. Yeah, well, fucking hell, yeah, and yeah, it's just it was just it's just mad, and obviously like it's not. Even in this in this day and age, like you know, it's not perfect. Like, like loads of injustices do still happen. Um, but like to see how it was was at that time, and like just like, and the fact that the woman has no like, uh, what's the word? No standing without without the man. Like you say, like a thing about it, it's like um, it's a property thing rather than actual like this woman has been assaulted thing. Is just like it's mad. Like, yeah, but it's a, it, uh, I did enjoy the well. It's a good film. It's a good film. And I like Jodie Jodie Comer as well. I think she's a really good actress. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also I know he's not in it that much, but I liked Alex Lawther as King Charles the Sixth. Um, 
Yeah, I was. I kept. It was really annoying me. I couldn't figure out what, what I know him from. But end of the like, fucking world. Yeah, end of the fucking world. Like, oh and yeah, shit. He's also in Black Mirror. Um, but his wife, who I think is Elizabeth, uh, she had absolutely no lines. She just sat there. I was like, wow. What yeah, like, like looking disgusted at points. Yeah, because yeah, I thought I thought at some point she was gonna like say something to him and be like, I believe her or something. Yeah. Because um, she was looking visibly quite upset. But yeah. I guess that's maybe not historically accurate. But yeah, I mean, um. It was a, a decent, decent film. Um, way, way, way too expensive. <laughs> it's only made nine point nine million dollars. Um, I don't know why. I thought this. Fil- I thought this was a Netflix film. When I saw the trailer for it, I, I just assumed, and then I assumed it was a Netflix film. But then I saw it on. But it was out in Odeon. I was like, oh. Right. I bet. I bet Disney are like, fuck's sake, we've inherited this, and now we've lost <laughs> like eighty-one million dollars worth of. Yeah. Um, amortization or whatever the term is you know mm. so probably not too happy about that um so from <laughs> from let's go from dark to uh light um what went wrong with ron oh yeah um yeah so ron ron's gone wrong is a uh animated uh animated film about um the, this world where basically well i say this world Probably just a, a slightly heightened version of the world we live in right now, where social media is kind of like king, obviously. And this guy, this tech mogul, um, creates a, uh, a like a robot type type character who's basically supposed to be like your your best friend and like learns everything about you and um, like has fun with you, plays with you, and all stuff like that. And it helps. It's supposed to help you make friends as well. So like they kind of like the robot gets you all the stuff that you like then matches it with someone who likes all the same stuff as well. Um, so, like, everyone in this little town or whatever has got uh, a... Is it a B-Bot? I think it's called a B-Bot. Everyone's got a B-Bot, apart from this one kid called Ron, um, who is, um, like, a... His dad is... His mum uh, passed away. His dad is, like, a... What seems like a failing salesman. He seems like a very working-class family. His mum was an, is an immigrant of some country in like the rush i feel like the russian that region polish maybe yeah. russian eastern european region us us ussr all that stuff um and he's like embarrassed he doesn't have any friends um everyone's got a bebop apart from him um he feels like super left out he's not good at making friends um he's like um ashamed to bring people back to his house because his house is a bit has a bit shit and his grandma's always making like weird food and stuff and um, stuff like that. Um, it's his birthday. His dad um, gets him like a, a geometry kit or something like that, and he's like quite upset about it. And his dad, to try and cheer him up, gets him a bebop, but it's a bebop that fell, that fell off a fell off a van. Um, oh, right. So it's all like scratched and and fucked up. But yeah, funnily enough, it fell off a van because the van uh, had to stop abruptly in front of Ron because Ron um, walked into the road about looking. So according to um, according to Wikipedia, Ron is actually the bebop, and Barney is the Barney. That's his name. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Yeah, Barney. Um, yeah, because yeah, his 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 pin number is like R O N eight five four something something. That's why he calls him Ron. Um, so yeah, he opens up he opens up the bebop, and it's like all messed up. He doesn't like um, download anything. He doesn't keep saying like upload me to to the network, and it doesn't, um, and it can't do that because you need to up connected to the network for it to be uploaded to the network or something like that and basically it's just getting everything wrong it's supposed to like stay within six feet of him it's supposed to like 
know everything about him. They're supposed to know his name. He just doesn't know anything. He calls him like, oh, what's he called? Like Almanon or something like that. Because <laughs> it's like, he, does, he says, oh, is your name Andrew? Uh, Alexander? Uh, Andy? And then it says Almanon. He goes, yeah, for some reason. And then he goes, Almanon? So, yeah. So then he said, um, that's his name. And yeah, the Bebop's like super embarrassing. It's like falling over all the time. Um, it's like falling over all the time and not doing anything that he wants it to do. And he's like um, really embarrassed by it. Um, and he's got, he wants to take it back to the shop. But on his way to take it back to the shop, um, he basically, the Bebop helps him, helps Barney uh, fight a bully. Um, and suddenly, so then like Ron's like, oh, like you, like you saved me kind of thing. That was really cool. And then they kind of like become friends. So then he like, they like make out a, bl- a plan like on the board, like loads of post-it notes saying like, this is how you, like, you need to know all this so that you could be, be my best friend, kind of thing. Um, so then he learns all of this stuff. And it, they've, like, this, um, like, Ron, his algorithm, whatever, is, like, super fucked up. So, like, he can just do shit that other B-Bots can't. So he can, B-Bots are programmed not to, like, be able to, like, hurt people, but he can hurt people. And he's, okay. like, like, that's how, like, he um, makes the bullies, like, he pushes them, pushes them over and stuff, and he slaps a policeman and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so then they become good friends. Then people come to take the B-Bot away because um, it's defective. And um, the CEO of this company um, wants to find out um, what makes the B-Bot, like, so, um, what makes the B-Bot, uh, what's, why he's fucked up. But then his, like, the guy under him, who's, like, all super obsessed with money, he just wants to kill the B-Bot because it's bad for business. Um, and then... Uh, so yeah, then him, Ron and uh, Ron and Barney have like developed basically like develop like a really like good friendship. Um, they go to school one day and they cause like a massive commotion. Like, the, and one of the popular girls in school, she becomes a meme because it um, all like the B-Bots go crazy and like they start um, building on top of each other and she falls through the bottom of all the robots and then it, they go oh did you just poop me out? And then she becomes like poop girl, whatever. <laughs> so she just becomes like a massive meme. And then, um, Ron and, Ron and Barney, um, Barney's like really mad at Ron. He's like, oh, um, like you embarrassed me. You got me, like you got me in trouble at school, da, 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 da. And then Barney's, Ron's like, oh, why are you like, why are you mad at me? Kind of thing. Like different, is this how friends treat each other? Kind of thing. And then, um, like we, we realize that like the only thing that uh, Barney's trying to teach Ron is how to be his friend, and he's not a friend to uh, to Ron. So then they get mad at each other. They separate. They separate ways, and they come back together again. And then um, at this point, it's gone all like, all over the internet. Like the, all the havoc that Ron's caused, and him going like going going crazy. So then the CEO of this company comes to chase after to get Ron to to find out like because but. The CEO's, like, more fascinated with it than anything else. Um, so he wants to know, like... Because he's seen, like, this relationship that these two have. And he's like, oh, I want to know, like, how this works, how to get bottom of it. The guy under him wants to kill... Wants to kill Ron. Um, and then they run out into the forest. Uh, Barney and Ron, that is. And they run out into the forest and, like, they develop even more friendship kind of thing. They protect each other. Um, at the same time, the CEO gets fired for some reason. I can't remember. He gets fired... And the guy under him takes over. So, and then he reveals basically like that all he cares about is money, which obviously you knew that from the start. And he doesn't, he hates kids and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
Ron, uh, Ron and Barney are in the forest. Uh, Ron's battery is running out, and Barney's like asthmatic. He's bit asthma pump, and like Ron saves his life. All the other kids see this because like the forest for some reason is really close to the school playground. <laughs> um, <laughs> they see it and like, oh my god, Ron's the coolest. Da, 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 da. So then they like all want to like back Ron and stuff, and then. Uh, Barney's like in hospital because obviously like all the asthma and all that shit um, and then he wakes up and the CEO's there because he found Ron after they found the two of them in the forest and he's like, oh yeah I fixed Ron and he has made him just like a regular b-bot and he's like doing the thing that regular b-bots do and Ron's like no this isn't like my Ron like we need to go but I need to, we need to fix this so to fix it they have to go to the headquarters of the company and go to like the server room so they can upload Ron back to the thing or whatever and um, they go and do that um, like they upload Ron back again, so he's like, so he's normal Ron, and they're like, oh, I love you, they're best friends, blah blah blah. And but then Barney's like, oh, like how do we make every every people like you, so everyone can have like a proper true friend kind of thing? And then he says, oh, okay, I, like, I have to upload myself into the server. So then to do that, to upload himself into the server, he has to like not exist anymore, basically. Ron, that is. So yeah. then they end up doing that, and everyone becomes um, a bebop like Ron. And then the the guy who was the CEO um, takes back control because he captured the video of the evil guy saying that he takes kids and all shit like that. So then he like basically blackmailed him into getting the position back again. Um, and then the film ends with like Ron having like loads of friends and stuff, and uh, all the bots being like like Ron, but they all like love love Barney because like Ron loves Barney. So if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, and he's got mates, and uh, yeah, film ends. Sounds very cutesy. It was very feel good. Like yeah, oh, everyone can be your friend. Yeah, it was very much like I think that obviously like the moral of it was so like one of the big things was like um, if two bots if the they didn't have if their owners didn't have similar interests they'd be like oh no we can't be friends, and I think one of the big things was like. Like you, obviously you can be friends with anybody kind of thing it doesn't really matter what you're interested in so he ends up being friends with the popular girl and the, the, the guy who bullied him as well because they used to be friends when they were younger but they grew apart because they all like different stuff but then they all come back together and they became friends again and blah 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 and I think it's a thing of like you're not supposed to like let social media and stuff like run your life kind of thing who you should be friends with and stuff so you, you interestingly said like it's one of those don't rush to cinema to see it though so like why is that um, I just didn't think it was, it wasn't like, I don't know, there was something about it, I was like, this is fine, but I'm not like, I'm not like really enjoying this kind of thing, I just think it's it's an okay film with a, with an okay, with a good message, I suppose, there wasn't anything spectacular, particularly, like, really good about it, like, Ron wasn't, like, super funny, like, Barney wasn't super funny, um, the animation wasn't particularly, like, really good like you know it wasn't like a good soundtrack or anything like that i just think it was it was just it was good it was fine it was quite predictable as well i think it was yeah just a it's an, it's an okay film so one that you could put on in the background like when you're doing something else i would say like when like watching disney plus and whatever um but it's not one that i think would like break the box office like it's not like a I'm trying to think of a good example it's not like a coco or yeah. you know or incredibles like do you know what i mean yeah fair enough um, well, it's 20th Century Studios, so I imagine it will be on Disney Plus before too long. Mm. Um, been doing Pivot 180 again. Um, the last new release to talk about is uh, Halloween Kills. Um, 
So this is the sequel to the 2018 film and also a sequel directly to uh, the 1978 original. Um, so one of these like meta kind of ones. Not even meta, it's just... Uh, so the first film was back in 2018 about uh, Laurie Strode, who is um, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Uh, Michael is basically released from, well, on the way to another prison is intercepted and is broken out of prison. Um, he is then sort of led by his uh, new doctor to Laurie and she's now got a daughter and a granddaughter. Um, and he starts his killing spree again. Um, he gets trapped uh, in Laurie's new house. She's sort of um, like Michael Myers proofed it. So she's got all these like, traps and stuff. And then she eventually gets trapped in her basement um, after she gets stabbed. And she locks him in the basement, puts like bars over it, and then the house gets set on fire. Um, and you're assuming that he's dead. In, in these sorts of films, the slasher films, the killer never ever dies. So this film, Halloween Kills, starts in 1970. Actually, it starts immediately after the 2018 film. So you see one of the policemen who gets stabbed uh, says, oh, I, I had a chance to kill him um, way back when, but I I didn't, and then it flashes back to 1978, which is when the first film was made, um, and you see parts of that film but from, like, a different perspective that you haven't seen before, um, and some of the characters who were in the first film are now adults in this film. Um, so essentially, this is Michael Myers versus the town uh, that they are living in. can't remember. Haddonfield. Um so all these characters who you get reintroduced to, there'll be a little flashback. Oh, this guy was in the film way back then. Um, this is what they're doing now. Um, as they realise that Michael survived the house burning down, um, they all sort of club together and they have this chant, evil wins tonight, uh, or evil dies tonight. And uh, yeah, so one of the one of the um, one of the guys who was, you know, a young kid when Michael first went in his killing spree. Um, I think his name's Tommy. Um, he he like rallies the the uh, town. They all get weapons, and he's like driving around to petrol stations, being like, "Oh, if your guys are free tonight, you want some action? You know, we're going to finally kill Michael Myers." Bearing in mind, this is a guy who has basically survived being shot and burned alive and everything. Right? This guy is. Mm. It's human, by all accounts, but... I was going to ask, yeah, is he, like, supernatural at this point, or what? Well, there's, a, there's an element to that at the end of this, which I'm not sure I like, but... Um, so he seems to, you know, as Freddy and Jason do as well, they get killed and come back to life. Um, or, you know, seemingly survive things that they shouldn't. Um, so this guy, who, bearing in mind, knows how many people Michael Myers has killed, decides it's a good idea to rally the town, none of whom, presumably, are trained in fighting or weapons, they all have quite rudimentary weapons as well, like baseball bats. And he just says, you three take that bridge, you three take that street, blah, blah, blah. Splits them all up, thinking that, you know, two teenagers and two middle-aged women are going to be capable of stopping this guy. Uh, I mean, no one is. 
So that is just fundamentally stupid. So what happens? Essentially, this is an hour and a bit of people being dispatched in increasingly violent ways. Um, the first film, uh, say the first one, the 2018 film, was not as gory as I thought it would be. But then the 1978 film has almost no blood in it at all, mm. uh, which is interesting for slasher films. Sorry, did you say the gory? The 2018 film wasn't that gory. The 78 film has basically no blood in at all. This basically goes, oh, well, that's a shame. We'll just put it all in this film. I mean, this film is brutal. Is it worse like, than ninety eight or whatever that film was? Um, that's fucking grim. It's it's of it's sort of like the level of Midsummer, you know, when those people jump off the rock. The, and, yeah. Um, but like that throughout. So yeah, there's a lot of pretty gory deaths, um, but quite inventive as well, which I guess is its credit um, in a sick way. But yeah, I mean, what what's frustrating about this film is it's very much in the middle part of a trilogy, and Maurice Strode's Jamie Lee Curtis spends almost the entire film in a hospital bed because she got stabbed in the first film, and um, the sort of um, the stupidity of the townspeople is just absurd. Like, why you would split up and try and like capture him and and try and kill him like makes absolutely no sense because he just absolutely wrecks everybody um there's there's quite a cool death where he like this woman's got a gun he like basically kicks it and she ends up shooting himself in the head and like everyone just gets dispatched very very quickly um so it's kind of pointless um and they sort of it, it's sort of i guess a a statement on the vigilantism of of like America and how quickly they can get riled up because they see this mental patient who escapes in the first film as well and someone says oh is that Michael and then eventually it snowballs and everyone starts running after this guy who isn't Michael Myers but everyone is so kind of riled up and wanting blood that they go after him and and um Judy Greer's character, who's Laurie's daughter, is like, that's not him. You're going after the wrong person. And this guy ends up, like, jumping out of a window because he's so scared and, and he gets, like, basically pancakes on the floor. Um, and then they're like, oh, shit, that was my bad. Um, and then they do eventually corner Michael and there's about, I don't know, 20 of them. And they all start shooting him and hitting him with a baseball bat. And then he's on the floor and... You know, a sane person would be like, right, let's finish him off, right? Let's make sure, you know, he gets curb stomped essentially and still doesn't die. But um, you, you do a bit more, right? Rather than just he falls to the floor and you think you're done. And this is a guy who survived being burned alive. But what do they do? No, they all turn around. All right, we're done. Then what does he do? Stand up and dispatch every single one of them. Um, and then it basically ends with Jamie Lee Curtis going, guess it's my job then you know to kill him and you're like how is this guy genuinely surviving all this stuff because his mask mm. does get taken off and he is clearly a 60 year old man <laughs> and you're just like there's no logical explanation for how he survives all of this he gets like he literally his face gets stomped onto a step he gets shot stabbed stabbed through the hand like all sorts of things and he still manages to just murder everybody i mean 
I didn't enjoy it that much. Some of the deaths were inventive, which, you know, is to its credit for me. Um, but it very much felt like it was just biding time for the next one, which I didn't really like. It sort of felt like this was basically just, oh, let's just kill the whole town because there's nothing else to do. Um, and the next film's got a four-year time jump, apparently. So, Oh, there's going to be another one? Yeah, Halloween ends. Oh, so that will probably be the conclusive. You'd hope so. You'd think, you'd uh, think, yeah. But that's coming out next Halloween. But oh, I right. kind of felt like they maybe could have just incorporated some of this into that because this very much felt like a filler um, mm. is the right way to describe it. So, yeah, very gory. Um, not a lot of plot and the plot that does happen is absolutely stupid uh, in terms of the decisions that the townspeople make. So, yeah. Um, that, that's basically it. I don't know. Chris, is there anything that you've watched? Um, I, we haven't got long before I've got to shoot off. Um, so not really too much time to discuss Squid Game in a lot of detail. Um, is there anything you've watched that you want to discuss or anything? No, we can wait. It's Squid Game, you. Um, yeah. We haven't really done a TV focused one for a while. Um, certainly not a non Marvel TV related one. So I guess we can talk Squid Game and I'll try and watch you. Obi, are you going to watch Squid Game? Yeah, I'm on episode two. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, All right, we'll start it. Probably good that we don't talk about it in spoiler detail then. But uh, yeah, it's a very thought provoking film. Um, film series. Uh, I'll try and watch you and I mean there doesn't seem to be that much coming out in the next week there's Dear Evan Hansen which well um, it's what you've watched because uh, did either of you watch that series Lock and Key no I've watched it yeah uh, that's, that new series comes out for um, I think there's quite a bit reading off on, in, net, oh, in Netflix over the next few months so I mean God knows when Stranger Things is coming out but Probably like Christmas. Yeah. And then two weeks till Eternal, so. And when's the Hawkeye series? Early November. No. I think it's late November. Oh, is it late? I think so. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, definitely look forward to to the Eternals. I'm going to give yeah. it Dear Evan Hansen a shot as well, even though critics hated it. But... Oh, have they? Oh, yeah. yeah. Say again, Chris. Give what a shot, sorry? Dear Evan Hansen. What the fuck is that? It's a musical, isn't it? It is a musical. Oh, oh right. I'm going to hate it then, aren't I? Um, <laughs> yeah. I might then at some point. Well, be careful of eternal spoilers on social media. That's all I'm going to say. The thing I just saw about Spider-Man, it looked so real. It was it was very good. The only thing that gave it away that was fake was they used the... Uh, the machine from Spider-Man 2 where Doc Ock gets sucked into it. Oh, okay. It gave it away, but yeah. What do you do? Do you just come across these things in your timeline or are you searching for something? I, like... I just flip through it and suddenly just someone does send, puts it out in the in the ether. Oh. Gotta be so careful these days. But yeah, so on that note, thank you for listening. It's been uh, two hours, so decent run time. Um, halfway between Venom and June. Uh, please do follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at YSC Podcast 17 and on Instagram as Yarfridge Physics. You can find all our previous episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, please do engage with us. We obviously have quite different views on, on certain films, so 
you know, if you agree more with one of us or the other, please do let us know and uh, get engaged. And uh, yeah, we'll chat to you soon. Keep it yeah. sexy. Hey.